welcome to the Sports Carnage Podcast, presented by Detroit Sports Nation, featuring Paul Roshan, D. Dylan Bear, Ryan Griffin, and Matthew Basson, bringing the most arrogant takes on the planet straight to your ears. We don't promise to always be right, but we promise to act like we are. Good morning, afternoon, and night whenever you are listening to this to the Carmelo Anthony fan club. Here we go, back in the NBA, fantastic. We're not going to talk about that tonight, though. We got overruled. What we do have is the Sports Carnage crew is taking a trip to Chicago, a place where Carmelo Anthony, he almost played, he almost went to the Bulls. Did not do that, though. But we're going to be taking a trip to the Northwestern and Minnesota football game. Minnesota would have been much more fun if they were undefeated, but I got some purple pants, not quite MC Hammer pants, but they're, <laughs> they're going to do me just as well. Hope to find a Northwestern shirt in an Evanston Walmart, so, you know, so, somewhere around there. Trying to cop there some no nice, Walmarts some, in Evanston. <laughs> cop some nice thrift store finds. What, we'll find what kind of they, elitist they gotta shit is out. this? I'm, okay, oh, no. I, have you been to Evanston? No, that's there why I no asked. No, there. nobody goes to Evanston except to go to Northwestern. We're also going to talk about the greatest football player to ever step foot on the field. And then, of course, <laughs> the Grizzly takes and the picks, which have become a staple of our show. But we do got to get the trip out the way first because we're going to be we're going to be a lot, a lot of excitement, probably be hungover when we're recording next week. So for a little <laughs> bit groggy, you guys, uh, you know, you're, you're going to know why. But this has actually come from a tradition that Dylan and his father do. It seems like they do it 10 times a year, but uh, no, maybe not quite. But they go to <laughs> so, uh, yeah. a rival college football game and um, yep. go to the city, explore the culture, and then Dylan will tell you why he decided to invite us this time and well, probably last time. Well, the yeah, so. Buffalo trips don't count <laughs> towards the 10. Well, all right, all right, all right. So – we, what, a thing that has been going on, and anybody who has listened to this podcast for any amount of time knows my father and I are super close. We have Must basically nice. our whole relationship kind of started uh, when I was five years old. My mom and dad had season tickets to Michigan State. They were both Michigan State grads. And they, I, fi- I basically took my mom's spot one game, as she likes to put it, and then I stole her season tickets ever since. And we did this for pretty much 15 years and after once and to be fair aligning with it was michigan state's decline we started doing this in 2016 because i told my dad i'm like look man i'm not going to be having us buying season tickets for this product i i'm not going to do it i want to see other game day experiences anyway because objectively michigan state's kind of sucks the campus is awesome and it used to be like that's the worst part of doing it for 15 years i remember what it used to be like not even in an old man like oh things were better back when computers weren't a thing no like it just was better because the parking was easier there were less restrictions there was more (laughs) okay okay uh there was you know there was just more stuff to do around there and the product didn't suck or at least they were you know either up and coming or they were scrappy guys now they're just pathetic so we decided to go to these games and this year for my birthday which is around this time i wanted to bring the gents around because i you know we're going to chicago going to evanston and when we did this at first it looked like a good matchup it's not anymore uh oh god God, (laughs) northwestern i thought northwestern was going to be good this year Big oh, man, it's almost like you picked them. That's, the, that's actually the worst call I've ever had, and you guys have not given me enough shit for that. 
Uh, because I mean, they're, they're I, having like, the same conversations that we are about Mark Antonio, <laughs> about Pat Fitzgerald. No, no, they're not. No, no they are it. not. <laughs> they have they lost win. a lot. No, to they have be two fair. wins, right? Because they just well, they won. have two we're, wins, and it's also Northwestern for one. And on top of that, Patty Fitz is doing more with Northwestern than anyone ever could. Ever. I'm still gonna buy so, into that. Well, that, that was so. that was the same with the uh, Antonio Michigan State. It was see, but that's the thing. I don't think it was. There's been a lot of guys. Other than Mark, that have shown flashes in the pan, Perlis and Sabin, and even at times John L. At the beginning, nobody remembers 2005 at the beginning. I do. That shit. You know, was they were four and then finished five and seven. Uh, correct, but that they were at number that was eleven in the, in the country. Hey, it was that, awesome. That, that hype five win John L. season. <laughs> I'm just saying. No, really I'm turned just saying there are flashes. I mean, let's be real. That's more wins than you're going to have next year. So, hey, look, John L. To be fair, did leave Mark with something much better than Mark is going to leave whoever takes over for him. So. I we're not do doing this bet. tonight, bet. but he he, bet. he left on Brian Hoyer. Right? We are going to have to do and this Javon Ringer soon. and Ju Colcrick. Nobody remembers my big bands. He ran harder than Le'Veon. I, I am remiss. We seasons. haven't mentioned that the beautiful voice that normally introduces us is not here tonight because of the trip. I think they can infer that. Well, but, but because of the trip we're taking. That's because he just got outshone, baby. See, <laughs> Matt is a smart man, and he is a, a very caring person, and he wants to take care of his family. And he knows that he's going to lose so much money at poker this weekend that he needed to pick up extra shifts. That's not week. why. That's not even, that's not even slightly why. <laughs> It's because Matt, being the trooper that he is, is flying all the way from Louisiana to Chicago to meet us there. Because even though apparently, according to him, we've only known each other for two years, he's going to fly across the country just to hang with us in November I don't, I don't in know Chicago. That's across the country. It objectively is. It's from the it's, bottom it's, to the top. Yeah, no, I'm with Dylan on this one. <laughs> that is definitely like, across it, the country. Like literally four states. I have driven that drive from Michigan to Louisiana. It is across the it's country. It's like 18 he's not, he's not going hours. to Michigan. He's going to Illinois. It's the same. Okay, whatever. Anyways, the whole point You have to fly over in. Arkansas and Missouri, and then you're at Illinois. Four states. Louisiana, Arkansas, Missouri, Illinois. That's what I said. Anyways. Not important. The important thing is we're going to be doing stuff in Chicago, one of the greatest Evanston. sports cities in America. And... Because we are going to be there, gentlemen, I'm just curious, is there anything in particular you're excited about going to the greatest city on earth? What? I've been to, uh, I've been to Chicago a bunch, so I'm, I'm always hyped to go again. Usually, I spend most of the time in the more touristy downtown area. Um, and I spent some time in like Schaumburg as well for work, which is just like the, the nice area, one of the nice suburbs. But That's true. I'm actually excited mostly just to go to Evanston and look around and see kind of what their campus is like. You know, Northwestern is obviously a school that's very well-renowned for um, their academic excellence and just the kind of the institution it is in general. So typically when you think of campuses like that, that have a really strong reputation of having great students, having great leaders, great minds, and things like that, you know, usually the campus matches, right? It's really nice. You look at a campus like Michigan's. Um, I've never been to Stanford. I can only imagine it's a really nice campus. But uh, even going to, like, 
I don't know if they have their own building, but like journalism section of Northwestern oh, yeah. would be really cool. Just seeing, uh, you know, all the journal, all the journalists and sports media personalities that they've pumped the, out. The bust of Michael Wilbon. I mean, That's right. Only Michael the best Wilbon, Mike Greenberg, the and then uh, Jamie Samuelson. His bust is probably like three times <laughs> as big, though. Oh yeah, uh, no say, man, I'm, I'm really excited to at least to go at uh, least to go around the campus. Two of the three on this podcast. Very much do not like Jamie Samuelson. That's not the point. We're, that I, was, we're a, just that was a big head joke. <laughs> yeah. Uh, elitist <laughs> prick. <laughs> okay. Oh, okay. Hold. No. Tell right. me where oh. the lie is. I'm not saying it's a lie. It's just irrelevant to what we're talking about. We're positive. Right? All right. That's fine. Now, you want to be positive? What about you? I. I mean, we could be going to goddamn Lansing. I don't care. I'm super hyped about this trip because who's going to be on this trip? I mean, we got. For starters, Don pried away from his. He's never been anywhere without Jill. I'm pretty sure he was born next to Jill. Nobody knows who that is. Never gone. And, well, it's Don's wife. I, they can infer. Our audience is not. They. Yeah, but you it, just whatever. say this random right. person's name. Don. Like, Don doesn't go man? places without his wife. And Don, he can never come out with us like on a random night to catch a game. Yeah, we have pried him away for an, an entire three days. Very much out That's of right. his comfort zone to expose him to a ton of things that are very much out of his comfort zone. And oh man, that sounds wrong. <laughs> our my goal for this trip is to corrupt Don. Oh my god, and that's what I'm excited for. We're gonna, I don't, endo- we're gonna corrupt I don't Don. endorse that. I don't endorse that. Uh, I will say what I am excited for because I am obviously Mr. Chicago. When I basically from the time of when I was about 10 years old until I was 17, I went to Chicago at least 40 times. It was basically a second home. My dad uh, from would have been 2010, 2009 to 2012, he actually lived uh, near Rosemont, which is where right by O'Hare. Uh, he actually lived uh, in a place called uh, Park Ridge. And that is right next to is an all is where all state arena is where DePaul used to be. And when I would visit dad, he, we and I would go to sporting events and we did everything. I've been to an arena football, uh, league game with the Chicago, whatever the hell they were called. I don't even remember, uh, the Chicago wolves, uh, with one of my favorite hockey players of all t- all time, Steven Reinprecht. He was the, uh, captain at the time. Uh, we've been to a Northwestern basketball game. Specifically, I went to the Northwestern basketball game where they went to overtime with Michigan and the Manny Harris team. And it was amazing, an awesome experience. And that's what I'm excited for is a tradition that my dad and I have is that every Friday night before the game, he and I walk basically the concourse of the football stadiums that we go to, kind of the calm before the storm. We do it for every single football stadium that we do in northwestern being that so historic and that i have been to ryan arena which is very old it's so old it doesn't have a full concourse inside of it it is a half circle it's wild as hell it's crazy but just to see the historical aspects of evanston it's one of the nicer suburbs in all of chicago very ritzy very haughty toddy um i'm just excited to be back in chicago i have not been there since 2012 it has been six years and it's been too long i want to go back i miss it a lot but what about the christmas bar 
I mean, the, I, I'm very excited for that as well. Uh, right along the strip, anybody who's been to Wrigley Field knows that the uh, road that's perpendicular to it has a ton of bars. And one of the bars that's there is going to have a Christmas vacation-themed pop-up bar. Another thing that my dad and I really like a lot. We actually have matching uh, Griswold family Christmas t-shirts that we're going to be wearing when we go there. It's going to be friggin' awesome. Uh, my uh, Honestly, the thing I'm kind of bummed about, three days is not enough. There's so much stuff that we could and should do that we just won't, and I'm kind of bummed about it. We're going to have to get some new sponsors for the podcast if we're going to make these trips longer than three days. New sponsors. You need to get a sponsor. That's right. Uh, That'll happen at some point. (laughs) Ryan out here doing all these live plugs. It ain't for free. Hey. Uh, there is a less than zero chance, or I guess more than zero chance, I should say, that we will go live for the football game. Who knows? It's going to be Maybe our first so uh, live video for you, skinny britches. I, that's the, like, I, there's nothing that I'm like, ugh, but I am a little concerned. Yeah, it's because you're not a Chicagoan. You can't handle the cold. <laughs> well, it's more the fact that getting up after a night of Friday night and then See, tailgating for three hours. That's the thing is you guys, you guys, you guys the need to kind of level hours. yourselves. Bro, just, just drink a Gatorade. Like, <laughs> you... It's going to be three straight days of just all that, or you can pace yourself like Don and my dad are going to, and they're going to no be fine. No such thing as pacing. Do... Balls to the wall. 100%. Balls. 100%. They are going to. Balls to the wall from the time I get in the car because I'm not driving. This is basically just going to be a chaperone trip where the actual adults are just going to be taking care of Isn't the Isn't that great is we have our, well, your literal father and our father-aged people with us to babysit us, even though we're well-grown adults? Something that I know Matt would appreciate, but it's just so true, is even though Matt and Don are only like two years apart in age. That's not In terms true. of like a persona That's and personality true. and whatnot, they are just like to pull. I would like the record to state that don is at least 35 years older than matt that is not true don is 40 and matt is 38 or 39 i can't believe you believe don's lies the point is is that don even despite being as close in age as matt they just carry themselves differently not even to say that matt Matt acts like childish or whatever it's just don like completely goes into the father persona and matt's a free spirit he does his own thing you know he lives in motels <laughs> that is not what I am saying. I am saying they live. I do their think lives Don has more hair codes. than Matt. Sorry, Matt. Everybody has more more hair than I. So that's true. But anyways, uh, I think that there is one other thing though, like uh, an event, like either an event or something to do in the city of Chicago. What is one thing that you guys? Is something either you would like or just I'm like, you know what? That would be kind of cool to do while we're there, outside of the Northwestern thing. Jesus Christ, I'm, this is rough. Yeah. <laughs> Come on, guys. I don't know, man. I was like, Chicago. I, mean, I like the food. Oh, like, it's way not Ryan. God. <laughs> I thought Come he was. On. Ryan always goes first, then I go. I know, but you're acting like this city like, has none to do, and I hate. Come on. Come Portillo's on. delicious. Oh, yeah. I, uh, I know what so I'm going to do. Get, Avoid get nice the fuck out dog. of any locally made pizza. Oh, uh, yeah, I'm on, I'm on shout that. Outs I, in, I love, some shout out to not ever eating a Chicago-style pizza. I will say, I love my city, but it sure as shit is not good for pizza. I mean, the 
and as far as like the Magnificent Mile, like the Nike store there is really cool. Hey, wait, like, we, would you like would you like to go there? Like we have the one in Detroit, which I mean it's it's fine for being in Detroit, but the one in Chicago is crazy. I mean, the I one mean, in can. Chicago puts the one to Detroit in shame, to be honest. Well, yeah, it's like, like, like a trillion stories. Yeah, it's because well, Michigan probably like Avenue four, is awesome. Three or four. I, you know what I think is awesome, too, for anybody who is ever, will ever go. Um, if you go to on the on the Michigan Avenue, you can actually go to the John. If you, it's the John Hancock building is what. I called it. It's probably got a different name now, but it's the uh, building that basically has the giant steel girders, crot like X's all the way up. It, it kind of looks a, a little bit like the Sears Tower. I know it's, it's called something different now, but uh, it's on the north side of Michigan Avenue. And if you look at it, like if you're near it in, in its vicinity or whatnot, and you look up because it's right by the lakefront, it moves. It's wild, and I'm not talking. It moves like an inch or like an optical illusion like it sways it's wild to see a building of that size move that much it's crazy yeah sears tower is cool millennium park you have the bean and there's i don't think it's at millennium park but i went there one time and they had like a fountain and on the fountain they did like weird pictures and oh, yeah. the uh yeah so there's this dude smiling and they had like gap teeth and that's where the water would shoot out that part oh yeah creepy. that's uh that that's millennium park is it but that part's creepy. Uh, but, I mean, just, all, uh, yeah, just the city the... landscape in like general. I'm excited to see if we get closest to the the downtown area, Magnuson well, Mile, all that. Evanston is about, I'd say about 25, 30 minutes north. It's about, in terms of actual distance, it's about as far as like, I, I I'd say it's probably about as far as Birmingham. The problem is, is that with Chicago, the drive is much I mean, longer. yeah, it just depends on traffic. I mean, I would say on average probably 35 minutes north about where we're staying. I'm just really excited to see campus, to be honest. I think Northwestern's super nice, and I love seeing new college campuses. I, that was one really cool thing, sure. even though I ended up not going away when I was trying to figure out what I was going to do with my life before I graduated, was going to visit different college campuses. It was super cool. Um, I mean, it would... One thing super envious of is the athletes that get their five official visits that they just get pampered on college campuses. Hmm. Like that is an awesome experience. That I can't. That's one thing that I would absolutely just love because it's I, in uh, Northwestern. We need to see them. Faci- we need to see the facilities. The new facilities. Yeah. Oh my god. Oh, right on the man. right on Lake Michigan. Oh my god. Oh yeah. Lake, right. Is Lake Michigan right? Oh yeah. Yeah, it's I don't like want to mess up my geography. Yeah, the football, the football is right there. You have the soccer field, the practice we facility. We should break like, into the facility. Oh God. Uh, I want to throw a football okay. in their new facility. We'll live stream. Right. You'll, um, I, again, you mentioned you didn't want to go to a Chicago prison. So. Well, there, there's some things that are more worthwhile than others. It's also probably an Evanston jail, so you know. Yeah, it'd be a lot nicer. It'd be a little elitist. Uh, Plus, I, I, I could write and I'd fit in there. It'd be perfect. Uh, anyways, I needless to say, we'll probably have a lot of reflection once uh, Matt is back. He'll recant us with stories and tales and whatnot. Well, I do think um, it's funny we're talking about all these things that we might sightsee and do, but with the realization that it's mostly just going to be eating and stuffing our face full of 
massive amounts of food, alcohol. I I just really am excited to go back to to the place that I always wanted to move to when I was a kid. I always wanted to live in Chicago. My sister is on her way to trying to do so as well. Uh, just yeah, I, I'm I'm gonna be very ex- I'm gonna be obnoxious. I'll be do honest. You know how much I know more y'all sense are gonna. It makes now where you purchased your first house. What? Why? Why? What? What? <laughs> you always wanted to live in Chicago. I did. Yes. So you purchased the <laughs> house in the closest thing Michigan has to offer to to it. Ah, I mean, kind of, I guess, <laughs> but I uh, know the problem is that my uh, my better half is not a fan of how the um, population density for Chicago is, where everyone is living on top of each other. It's like her worst nightmare. <laughs> There's a reason that we have all the land There's that we do. She we does a not like neighbors. <laughs> do you have horses but- yet? I'm not getting horses until I'm ready. It's irresponsible to get something impulsively, especially another living creature that requires so much. Care. I love how you are more thoughtful about when to that get horses. That means he's never going to get them. Dylan is more thoughtful about getting horses than most people are about having children, which is not a knock, uh, by the yeah. way. That is a I respect it. Well, I'm aware it's more a knock on the thousands of people who shouldn't have kids. But oh, be anyway. nice, be nice. Matt's not here to defend himself. Why doesn't Nick? All right. Uh, uh, now I guess uh, I have a stat. I have a kind of. I'm I'm curious where you guys are at with this. Over under <laughs> twice that we go to the south side. Under. Mm. Mm. Six feet under if we go there twice. Ah well, <laughs> speak for speak for yourself, freaking whitey bulger. Uh you and your man bun spout spout hate speech. No shit, you're gonna get shot at. What? Mm. <laughs> uh, all right. Well, I think that uh, as as indul- as uh, self indulgent as it was to talk about the beautiful, fantastic, better than you city of Chicago, we have another uh, conversation to to discuss, and this is one. Oh, we got ourselves a full spectrum here. We have. Every walk of life when it comes to this individual. The individual who, whether you like him or not, has set the NFL ablaze. And that is one Lamar Action Jackson. We have, in one corner, Mr. Paul Roshan, who, hold on, hold when on. he doesn't How like somebody... How are you making the corners right now? You don't even know. You don't even know right now. Okay, well, based on previous discussion... We have in one corner Mr. Paul Roshan, who at least at the beginning of the season despised Lamar, said that he was absolute trash bros. And in the other corner we have Mr. Ryan Griffin, ride or die, even in the days of Louisville, has loved this man since the day of the beginning. Two different men, each doing the same thing. When Paul hates somebody, he almost never states otherwise. Ryan, equally, when he loves somebody, rarely ever says otherwise. And then there is I... In the middle, and I am not stating I am better. If anything, I have less conviction than the two of these two because I have flip flopped just like a pancake that needs the other side cooked. I have gone from Paul's corner to Ryan's corner in every way. So we have the flip flopper, the hater, and the lover here. Uh, and the question really is, what is Lamar? What what is he? And I'll let Paul start because apparently I miscategorized him. What is Lamar right now in the NFL in 2019, Mr. Rashan? He is the most overrated player in the NFL right now. Uh, 
Uh, see, there you go. Now, so you didn't change. I will <laughs> no. I will say, I'm gonna give him some props before putting a realistic perspective on this because, as you you said, he set the NFL ablaze. This is kind of the understatement of the century. You could dress it up however you want, but I cannot remember someone that has taken over headlines and just general NFL discussion the way Lamar Jackson has. I mean. Legitimately more Tim, so Tim Tebow than say Vick what when Vic <laughs> came into the league. Well, Tebow. See, the thing with Tebow is Tebow is very polarizing, and it's just a very different situation. Like I, I do not like that comparison. Just, just very polarizing. Whereas Lamar Jackson came in and he sucked and he couldn't throw a football, which when you're a quarterback, kind of a big deal. He has improved at throwing a football. The problem is, is people want to buy Lamar Jackson stock so much, so much. Everything he does gets magnified to just gigantic proportions. It's kind of like the Andrew Luck effect on crack before he had all of his injuries and his career just dissipated in front of his eyes. The problem is Lamar Jackson, and it's not even a problem. It's really a good thing, and I respect him and what he's doing, and I respect the gains that he's made. Lamar Jackson couldn't be in a better situation. First of all, we all know what happens when you put a dual-threat quarterback with Greg Roman and a Harbaugh. We've seen this movie before. To very electric heights and just wonderful game after game. The problem is Colin Kaepernick was a better passer of the football than Lamar Jackson is. Even now, even with the improvements that Lamar Jackson has made. Now, Lamar Jackson is ten times the athlete. Lamar Jackson, that's about it. He's ten times the athlete. All right. Ryan, your turn. Lamar Jackson is by far the most exciting player in the NFL. It's really not close 25 touchdowns so far on the year six with his legs a human highlight reel legitimately every single week he's also one of the best leaders not only at his position but in the sport in general you know you hear him mic'd up on the sidelines telling coach Harbaugh hey let's go for it I'm going to get it and then uh, just uh, the other conversations they have where Harbaugh's telling him you know the team looks up to you and then you hear Lamar yeah but we're not done yet like we're going for the Lombardi. We're going for just next week's win. Um, you know, speaking of Harbaugh, he saved John Harbaugh's job, and by all of counts, at least as of now, because nothing disparaging is coming out, he's been a model human being in a sport that is starving for model human beings. So he's a great role model for for the kids, as they say, Lamar little kids, and uh, no, he's just he's gotten better at everything that he's needed to get better at he's taken every ounce of criticism that he's gotten and you can tell that it fuels him you can tell in the post-game press conference he did it after his first game where he had a perfect passer rating this last game where he had a no perfect passer rating Uh, in both both those post-game press conferences he's mentioned you know not bad for a running back so he's taken that criticism and instead of somebody like uh, Mitch Trubisky who we talked about last week or two weeks ago turning it off and kind of just kind of shutting it out He's used it, you know, and flipped it on his head to fuel him into an MVP type year. And he, I mean, he's also a winner. You no, know, 
we we hate quarterback wins as a stat, but since Lamar Jackson took over the Ravens, even last year, they won a ton of games. I think he had one, two losses as a starter last year, one of them obviously in the playoffs. And then this year, I think they only have like two losses as well. So he started a handful of games and he's won most of them. And, you know, he's just overall been the the person that you want at quarterback and the person that you're very comfortable having your team at or having your leading your team at quarterback because he makes plays. He never really makes uh, – he'll make, he'll make dumb decisions, but he's not turnover prone. He only has five picks on the year, and I think he's only lost one fumble. So through, you know, okay. 12 games or whatever they played, he's only turned the ball over six times, which if you're getting 25 touchdowns out of, you're you're going to take that, you know, ratio and that trade-off all day. Huh. Well, so we have Paul basically repeating exactly what we would have no, expected. Ryan, be, Ryan doing his best to make a great, fantastic case for Lamar. And I, being that I have migrated over – I'm going to first preface with why I have changed the sentiment that I have. And and to be fair, Ryan mentioned it a little bit. Whether or not Lamar Jackson winds up being a perfect passer or not is kind of not really the point. The thing that really kind of turned me when it came to him and everything that I heard from his pressers like Ryan had said or on the sideline or whatever is I don't know if I've ever seen a quarterback take criticism exactly the way I wanted, right? Like the question that happened before when we talked about Trubisky turning all this, all the uh, all the TVs off and stuff, right? I was pissed off, and 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 everybody, rightfully so, was like, okay, but what do you want him to do? And Lamar is the reason why I have that opinion. He did exactly what I would want out of a quarterback. What Lamar is is everything any NFL quarterback should be: prideful in himself knowing his abilities, but also not arrogant enough to think he has the answers. He knew he had to change. He knew that there were things he had to alter about himself. And whether or not he is a perfect quarterback or not, I know for a fact that Lamar Jackson is going to do his best to change and to alter his game to be the best he can be. And there is nothing more you can ask from a professional athlete than that. It is extremely admirable I respect the hell out of it. I can't root against him at all anymore. Even if he winds up having bad games, I know that he will turn around and try to improve. He'll never be he'll never get himself down, but he will also never be too bold either. It, it's the perfect combination. I wish every single player on my team had even an ounce of the quality that Lamar has. And that and whether or not he winds up panning out in terms of being a pure passer or not, it doesn't matter to me because Lamar already has done more than most quarterbacks will do in a lifetime. What? What? Please explain the last part to me. He turned around and made a seismic change to his game based on criticisms he received. Quarterbacks don't do that. They are told, but... You are also pretending like people do that, though. Okay, Trubisky needed to change. 
Tebow needed to change. A myriad of other of other guys Peyton needed Manning. to change. Robert Griffin needed to change, and he really didn't do it. Right, exactly. One hundred percent. Think about that. Interceptions his rookie year. He didn't change. He didn't say, "Hey, I need to protect the ball if I'm going to have a career in this." You league. know what I mean? You're just trying to That's undermine it so because you don't all, like him. Most of the stuff you said about Lamar Jackson was very nice, but it's not something anyone would dispute. And I don't know why anyone would ever have rooted against Lamar Jackson because, by all accounts, Lamar Jackson is been an outstanding person and he's been true to himself one thing that i respect about lamar is he understands his game what he's both good at and what he is not good at and he plays within his limitations he does not try to be somebody he's not which is extremely critical he accepts and he really plays so i talked about greg roman in harbaugh earlier and he fully trusts them to put him in a place to succeed and to utilize his talents to succeed. Now, his talents are not traditional quarterback talents. He does more eye-popping things with his general athleticism than he does with his arm, an arm that is improved, but an arm that is never going to carry the team. My biggest issue, and it has, it's not Lamar's fault. It has nothing to do with Lamar himself, and it's why I railed against Andrew Luck for a long time, even though Andrew Luck is a great person. I hate the extremes. And I hate the anointment of players that don't deserve it from a play on the field perspective. And it goes both ways. I hate when people rail on players and say they're terrible when they're not. And I hate when people anoint players. People think, people legitimately think right now that Lamar Jackson is a top five quarterback in the league when he's not a top ten quarterback in the league. And it's right, wild. but I also would. I mean, in fairness, I don't argue that, but I, I would very, but, but I would very much argue that Lamar is the is a top five overall player. I don't think that, but the problem is, is that I think one thing to kind of dis, to change to distinguish about Lamar, he's you're right, he's not a quarterback. But the whole oh he's a running back thing that's well, not it either. It's so back. much more. No no no. Is. I'm I'm saying I'm saying in general it's it, people want to make it something rigid and it's so much more complicated than that. All I really can say he is exactly what Baltimore needs and that's more valuable than anything else. Well, that it and it's also very valuable that Lamar. I'm sorry, Baltimore knows how to use Lamar. See, what Lamar is, and I don't mean this in the spiteful way that a lot of people do, but Lamar is a system quarterback. He has to be in a place where his very specific tool set can be used properly. Imagine if Lamar had gotten drafted by Washington. Think, what would he be doing Wait, wait, wait. wait. In fairness, we had a kind of version of that, and we saw (laughs) that. It's true. So, one thing that I, I, I really... People are talking about, man, Lamar this, Lamar that. He's putting up all these touchdowns. He's carrying his team. They're winning all kinds of games. Lamar isn't asked to do very much. Baltimore Ravens. The Baltimore Ravens run the football more than anyone in the NFL. Now, Lamar is part of that, but he doesn't run the ball as much as you think he does. And a lot of his rushing attempts are simply pocket breaking down and he needs to get out of it. They run the football. That's not accurate at all. What do you mean that's they, not accurate? They have so they call at least ten designed runs for him every game. That's not accurate at all to say that it's just scrambles. And he gets eighty uh, yards a game on the ground. Right. Also that he is like, a huge part of their rushing attack. They like I don't know. I'm I'm not even stating that you're that I'm not saying that you're doing you're doing this more out of ignorance. I don't think you know how they actually do use him because he has 
designed run. He, he has carried has. the ball 115 times That's 11 already times a game. this year. You just said they have 10 designed runs for him a game. Legitimately, right. half of those because are that is a... no, they're not though. That's the thing. You, you don't understand Baltimore's game plan. A game? I think that you they think Lamar, call with his great that many designed runs for him. Scrambles once a game. Do you understand the absurdity that you're talking right now? I am talking about the fact that this team runs more than any other team in the NFL, and they use every piece. I did not say that they don't run him on purpose. What I said was he runs less than you'd expect, and then a lot of people think, and a lot of them. I think that's a lot for a quarterback. 115 times. A lot of them are scrambles. It's 11 rushes a game. That's a lot for a quarterback. Like you're acting like it's like, oh man, eleven carries. He only throws the ball twenty-seven times a game. He's a quarterback. And speaking of throwing the ball, Baltimore throws the ball less than anybody in the NFL, except rightfully so, though. Minnesota, I think they are like neck and neck with Minnesota for the least pass attempts in the NFL. I don't like this. This is the problem of why I don't like categorizing him as only a quarterback because they Baltimore absolutely has a lot of designed plays where in the running game, it you okay? You talked about how Michigan State. Oh my God, they need to do a triple option, right? Yeah. Lamar, for all intents and purposes, is a Navy or Army type of that's, QB. That's not fair to Lamar. No, no, no. I think that it is a compliment because he you know, is he equally effective. He wouldn't throw on the goal line to win the game. Well, <laughs> well, look, my point is is what I'm trying to say by that is I think that he is as involved in the game as anybody can be without throwing the ball. He absolutely so is a factor into their run game. The numbers not prove that. Involved. I mean, the offense is completely built around him. Completely built around his skill set in the way he makes a defense play. The problem that I have with Lamar and the way that people are anointing him is Lamar does not fit into the category of a quarterback that can carry a team. And I don't mean... But again, it's not because... But I agree with you, but it's not because... Like, you're wanting to reduce this down to his throwing ability. I, and it's just dishonest I mean, he's to do Baltimore that. Baltimore more than anybody else on the team. Right. Baltimore has but a good again, team around him. And again, the reason why he's carrying them is not because of his throwing ability uh, in and of itself. Did you see the run he had it with against Houston last week? Paul? Yes. Did you see it? The where he broke six tackles. Yeah, he's electric. The, and I, and it was. I a, would never and by the way, enough. that by the way, I do want to point out that was a designed run. And he is doing those sort of things every game. And the reason that there is proof of that, do, he, do you know what his yards per carry average is? I would guess it's on 150. I would guess it's around 10. It's at 6.9. It's, it's absurd. That's a he lot. Does have, he does have a lot of considering. Carries, he does. That's the point. Is that he? Like, okay, to say, oh well, he's not going to win th- with this team with his throwing ability. No shit, because he's so, so much more so than that. Here's my problem with Lamar. <laughs> Lamar is not going to be a long-term success in the NFL, and it's not that he's going to get hurt. I'm not of the stupid belief that oh, you can't have a running quarterback in the NFL; they're going to get hurt. Blah blah blah. Whatever. I'm not worried about that at all. Injuries happen to everybody. Uh, Tom Brady doesn't run at all, and he's had major injuries in his career. He missed an entire freaking season, blew out his ACL. He never runs the ball. Or catches. We've seen that before. (laughs) It is not going to happen this year or next year on large scale. 
You're going to see it in the playoffs. I don't know how you can say You're that when they're 8-2. You're going to see it this year in the playoffs when they play New England. How again, much do you want to break... bet that? What? I don't under like okay. I guess part of part of the issue that you're saying, oh well, he won't work. Well, you did kind of point out a reason why there's a very good chance he will. Baltimore, for all intents and purposes, is not going to put him in spots where he can't succeed. John Harbaugh is absolutely one of the top five best coaches in the NFL. They have a roster that is completely built around his abilities. I just don't like you're stating, oh well, he won't succeed. So here, I don't see how he can fail. How, it's quite simple. So, like, what's, what's your definition of success? Else, I said, like, they won the Super Bowl in the next three years. No, I would never. So, I'm never gonna judge a quarterback on winning a Super Bowl or playoff. I'm, I'm talking about individual play, them doing what they can do. So, my problem with Lamar is Lamar is is at his ceiling right now. Outside of what he will, the only thing that he'll get a little bit better at over time, and I don't think that much better because it's something that he's not great at he will understand defensive play a little better and as he has more experience he will understand where the ball needs to be when a little bit better but outside of that Lamar isn't going to get more athletic he's not going to get faster he's not going to get better at breaking tackles he is not going to get better as a passer he is topped out as how a passer not? like he where his how, arm you can't, how? He's, I can't he's what 22 right how can you how can you say right. that? he's, he's 22 years old and you're saying that he's that he's topped out and again another thing this was something that ryan and i were talking about already here's why i know for a fact you're wrong because you're sitting here and acting like he is going to be the hammer smacking against the nail that's already in the wood Lamar has already proven that if something isn't working, he is going to work with John, so is who is a genius, to make it I better. Saying. You're saying that he can't be better at what well, you're saying that he can't be better at passing. That's not possible That's because crazy. if something's not working, and again, if something isn't working, he's not going to be stubborn about it. He's going he to has, change. He's shown it already. He has limitations as a passer that no matter how hard he tries he is not going to overcome even no in what way because the stats prove to. otherwise this, his completion percentage is up please, by 15 points this, this year right now. and it's up by eight no he's it's up he by is uh, he is averaging 70 percent completion percentage right now completion percentage he does. It's but it doesn't. That's not. Three. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. No, I, I he's he's topped out over I, seventy I in the last three games. My bad. My bad. I That's where I pulled need it. To look at a stat line to tell me what my eyes tell me. Yeah, you what can just spout fallacies. Yeah, you, you can just see him complete all these passes. All right. And you are going to see it in this playoffs because Baltimore is going to play New England and they are not going to score twenty points. And oh, man, everyone, I'm going to love no when you're just dead wrong. No one's going to make a big deal out of it. It's going to be like, oh, they went to New England. They got beat by a good team like everybody does. And that's going to be whatever. And it's not going I mean, they to They straight have, up exposed New England's defense, and you're acting like they're going to score 20 points. In one game in the regular season, but I'm pretty sure we no, have. No, it's not that. I'm, I'm it's, pretty, that it's that John has I'm proven time sure and again have, it's not going to happen. Sure we have a bet yeah. on the playoffs anyway, so I'm not, I'm not really too worried about it. He's not. Yeah, I'm, I'm not saying he's going to get exposed. I'm saying that. it is an example of what's going to happen. Is teams are going to start catching up. This is all what Lamar presents caught, uh, is something that other quarterbacks and other systems in this league right now do not present. They play the game completely different, and it's kind of like if you look at college and you have a Big Ten team, and all of a sudden they're playing Army, and they got to prepare for the triple option. It's not easy. 
there's a lot of nuance, there's a lot of wrinkles, there's a lot of different things out there. But if you start playing army every year, you're going to get a lot better at defending army. And that's what's going to happen to Lamar Jackson's yeah, but offense. This is, and what I am no, telling you, no, stop. You can't I'm not do done. That. I, it's reality. I can do what I want. You don't have to believe no, it. It's not because, it no, it's not because you're, you're, you're trying to compare college to I, that's pros. Not, I used, you're acting like John's not going to change things. I, you, like you that this offense isn't going to adapt. The point of that. It had nothing to do with college versus the pros. The point was it's a unique system. I mean, system. you brought up college. So. It, is a unique, it is a well-known unique system. That is hard to prepare that for. That it will change when he needs it. What I'm it telling to. you because he is a pro and a genius. are going to catch up to Lamar Jackson's offense faster than Lamar Jackson improves as a quarterback. Much faster. And this year, it's going to be mostly fine until they run into New England. Next year, it will probably be mostly fine. And then there's going to be a pretty steep fall off. And we've seen it time and time again with quarterbacks that don't have the complete package at quarterback. And he has he, he's a few balls short of the complete package. He has some real deficiencies. And no matter how hard he works, no matter how good of a person is, he is not going to overcome for long-term success. I love the way he's playing right now. And I think he is great for the NFL. He's exactly what the NFL needs right now. But I am telling you, it's going to be short-lived. It is going to be a few fun years, and it's going to tail off. He is not going to have sustained success in the NFL. What's your bar for sustained success? My bar for sustained success? So let's say, let's do 4,400, average of 4,400 yards a year, not passing, combined, and 27 touchdowns a year in 12 or less interceptions a year. While having a team that is generally competitive, as long as it's not incompetence. I mean, we've seen plenty of teams look at Washington. I don't care what quarterback you put in there. They've just completely incompetence in team building. No one's going to have success. But Baltimore, for how long, has been known to have a really good system and identifying guys that fit their system and developing talent and drafting well. Paul. Yes. I do want to point something out, a actual stat that is going to prove your first portion incorrect from Pro Football Reference. Lamar has scrambled 31 times on design passes, which means that he has an average of eight plays a game that are designed. That, that didn't prove me wrong at all. That's. I mean, that, it, you're, 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 me I was off by two I carries. Said he's... Well, no, because you said that most of his were from I didn't scrambles. Say most you at said all. half. You definitely said half, I, and that's not accurate. So, I'm just trying to point, make sure that the stats are out there. That stat also, is another exactly thing to keep, what I was saying. He scrambles a ton. That's, that's not 30% a ton. That's of one his carries. Th- that's not a ton. For Okay, compare that to other quarterbacks. He's not a though. quarterback. That's He's a, a running whole... quarterback. You just said that. But that's, you literally and, said and again, your words earlier, I don't want to shoehorn him into this quarterback thing. But that's my that's was my whole point was that they are not using him as just a passer. And that's all the more reason why your anecdote this whole time of, oh, well, he's not going to improve as a passer. Well, yeah, no shit, because they're not going to well, use him that he's way. He's actually improved quite a bit as a passer. He is going to improve He as has passer. improved as a passer, but... I'm aware, but but my, my point is, is that they are not going to continue going using to him that way. He's not going to be able to throw the ball like Aaron Rodgers, like Tom Brady. Because like he Matt won't Stafford. need to because the system is standard, though. You don't right, have to beat Aaron Rodgers to, and also, to have but, Okay, so first off, he's not he does, throw the you ball does, like need Russ to. Wilson. 
He's not going to throw but the ball. But he isn't going like to. Okay, Rivers. what are you not under? What are you not understanding about the, what I am trying to tell you? Because you don't seem to get it. He's not ever going to need to because the system will never you understand require how wild it. it is that you think that this system is some transcendent thing that no team is ever going to figure out, and they're just going to score forty that points. That is every definitely game not what I said. It's basically what you're saying because either I mean not basically because I say what I say. He does I don't have infer, to improve so. as a passer and get to that level, no. or it's. Not I didn't going say to that have at all. Success. Again, because so, apparently so you want to try to make inferences about this. That's well, not what I said. I said mouth. that's a, pick one. I am not because I said John's system and the way that this organization went about dealing with him was that they are going to create something that is going to cater to his best uses. Which, as you had just stated, you are not afraid of him being injured. Therefore, they're not all of a sudden going to alter that. His best uses aren't having the same success anymore. Like what's going to happen? They will change. Change what? That requires him transcending cha- as a passer, which I just said isn't going to happen. No, it doesn't. It All it means is that the offense is going to do something different. Now, to predict what that is, is for me to infer that I know exactly I mean, how John Harbaugh's system works. That's and just that's an not, amazing, not how that works. What an amazing inference. I know it's going to be good because I have no idea why, but I know they'll figure it out. I just have a feeling My they're going to figure it out. My statement was... My statement was was that this offense is never going to be a pass-heavy option. So even if he is a fantastic passer or not, which I'm not interested in your conjecture that a 22-year-old kid can't change it, can't change how he passes. That's not. I don't care about that. What I care about is the fact that he is going to have close to 200 carries. He is not RG3, and that he is not going to get hurt because. Proof on it on his pressures. He's only been hit when he drops back to pass six times. I mean, have you year. seen him in the backfield? It's impossible to hit him. That's my point. So he's not going to be an injury risk, which means that he always so is going to be happens, able to be a running threat. What happens and, when he loses some of his athleticism and he's not the freak anymore? Because that's what happens when you age and you put on a little weight. You've been in the league for a minute and you start slowing down. But you're, okay, but again, yeah, but he's, he's 22, 22 right years old. That is like he's 28 bursting onto I'm the scene saying, and he's well, going to drop off the, in three years. What, no, okay, so... I'll what happens when he's kind 31, of, kind of nine pe- years down the road? I don't know. Uh, uh, right, and that's here's another thing. You said that he's not going to have sustained success. If he is able to keep at this level of movement and mobility like he has, and as as I think Brian and I are both in agreement on, he is only going to get better about reading the defense because it's the way he is. He's going to study. He's going to see what his game is going to fit best. If he keeps his athleticism for even eight more years... Come on, that is sustained success. And on top of that, we have multiple examples in the NFL of guys in their 30s who are able to move just as well. And he's not get like you just said, he's not going to Listen, get hit it's enough a, it's where it's going to be a it's problem. It's a difference when you're Matthew Stafford and you never had elite athleticism. I'm definitely not talking about no. Stafford. I'm talking about Russell Wilson and Aaron Rodgers moving mobily just as well as that's they did not, when they started in the league. True. I don't know what football you've watched in the last three years, but that's not even remotely true. Russell Wilson is not nearly as gifted on the ground as he used to be. Russell Wilson's put on some weight. He's not as elusive, and he plays a very different style of game. Where Russell Wilson he is, runs just as Wilson much. Is, is he's smart, <laughs> but as far right, as... Right, because he changed, because Wilson he had the ability the to do so. Just a, a dual-threat oh, monster God. like Lamar Jackson is, uh, he's way past those days, and Russell Wilson's not very old. But that's not the point. The point is... Russell Wilson's 30 years old. Absolutely. So, I mean, he's 8 years older absolutely. than Lamar. 
teams are going to figure out how to defend what Baltimore does right now. And you, I don't you understand better, how you can say that when they're. I don't not. understand <laughs> how you think that the thing that happens every single time, every year, ever, is just not going to happen. You're treating this like the Wildcat, and I think you it's are treating Lamar Jackson like the why. best football player to ever play. It's ridiculous. That's the, well, well. That's the thing is, I'm not treating it as Lamar. I think that Baltimore's system, whatever, system it, uh, it's a godlike system that until Lamar came, did what? They didn't use this system before. Stop! They, hold they, on. Baltimore this is, was nothing this like is this. Unique. This has never been seen before in football. What they're doing? Did I say that? Why do you keep putting words because in my, my mouth? That's getting is, pretty if annoying. If it's not, you act like it's some <laughs> transcendent thing that isn't going to get stopped is absurd. I think their personnel and how they're utilizing it is truly brilliant, and they're only I, going to get better I, I with it as they hone in on their believe system. That this combination of players and system is somehow foolproof. Uh, when I see a change in it, then I will change my mind. You're treating this like the Wildcat. I'm not treating it anything not. like the Wildcat, and I didn't call it a gimmick. I mean, you it's are. Not, You're being I, I as indignant it about because you don't think it can work. I, it's not. It and is working right how. now. What I'm telling you is, teams will figure out how to defend it. I promise you that. Just like the Wildcat, that's what you're treating you this. Some like. things are gimmicks. Some things work because they're a surprise. That's not what this so is. So, therefore, this you are acting gimmick, like this is a gimmick. But this is if, something. If only you never watched Lamar Jackson in your life, you'd be surprised about <laughs> what type of player he is. Unbelievable. Quick I'm question. Sorry. I keep, arg- I keep arguing NFL. Ryan's There's corner. There's 32 so I'll, I'll starting agree. quarterbacks at any given time. Where is Lamar Jackson? Again, he's, he's not in the top an 10, and you guys said he wasn't top 10. What, really what is he, Ryan? Ridiculous. You tell me what I have already changed that. Yeah, Ryan, go ahead. Let me see. So, Ross Rogers. Let me get a list up here. All right, you get a list. Dylan, where, where is he in the NFL? Again, I'm not comfortable stating him as a pure quarterback, so you need Th- to That's the position the he plays. You can you, – you I'm factor. aware, but again – I didn't say what is he as a passer. I said rank the quarterbacks in the NFL. If you're – He's a top you, five you, quarterback. But here, that's, again, because here, I'm not factoring is, so in passing So this is what I'll – I'll make this question easy for you. You only need him for this year. You got every starting quarterback in the NFL to pick from. You only need him for this year. Age doesn't matter. It's whatever they're doing right now. Okay. Okay. If you were to pick quarterbacks in order, who you who you are starting your team with for this year only? Yep. Where does he fall Correct. on that list? Three to four. Absurd. Just preposterous, man. Again, because I would fit a system that would utilize his running ability, and it's just causing pure chaos. He made a Houston Texans defense that is very competent look utterly lost i i've never seen a defense look that helpless before in a pass rush my god like yeah that's another thing like you're acting like oh my god baltimore is just this gimmicky thing like they made a a playoff team look like a joke (laughs) they are crushing teams but it's not even just it's not a box score thing the way that they are just dominating in their offense specifically with time of possession is brilliant and i'm gonna get into that much more later but the way that their offense is treating the game the way that they're using the running as a weapon to keep the other teams off the way that that houston game played out is the reason i don't believe you when you say teams will figure it out because i don't think it's about a gimmick or or a scheme or it's, it's a not principle that it's a gimmick. which every, is we are going to run the ball with multiple people and you will stay on the sidelines there is no foolproof offensive system it does 100 no i i agree and with NFL you teams will understand how to defend. i'm telling you you're going to see it this year and they then it will to change and they are not going to score 20 points. 
That's not going to happen because you, lesser Baltimore. No, the and reason this is why after I can't they agree dropped, with that. What, in, 40 on New England? That's the here's the problem with your sentiment is that I think something you keep ignoring and it's partially because it's an inconvenient truth because John is the better coach. You keep ignoring the fact that they have one of the best NFL coaches of his I generation don't and you're you acting think I like don't love John Harbaugh. I literally Because said, you keep ignoring him as a said, factor this in this. This was after the Lions had just signed a new head coach. When yes, oh my rumors, god, we should have given him. That's not special. That's not I don't I, care I about that. I'm talking about in this anything. conversation. It is a, it, I don't, don't care sense. about that. You're why not, do I not love you're John not Harbaugh? T- you act like I don't like him. The reason why I'm saying that is because throughout this entire conversation, you have ignored the very inconvenient truth, which is he is going to change it to make it work. I have First every belief all, in John the Harbaugh, world he will change it. John Harbaugh, being a great head it. coach, has absolutely nothing to do with other teams figuring out how to defend their current system or any tweaks. Well, you're acting like it's a one-way tweaks. street. What do you mean? Right, right exactly. You're acting like this is a one-way street. I'm not acting like that you're at all. Be- you're acting like you, your statements that you are making is that he is going to stay rigid and the offense will not evolve, adapt, There's and change. You're acting so like this is a one-way street. The offense can have with Lamar's skill set. That's what you don't understand. And you, but you could say the same. But you could say the same thing about the defense when they're having to worry about him doing two things. A quarterback has not had that combination of doing since. So here's Vic. the thing: when you have a quarterback that can make all the throws, which Lamar can't. When you have a quarterback that can make all the throws, again, anecdotal that you don't I'm that just, you're stating based like, on no, a 22 a year old. I'm telling you right, right. now, right? He can't change. He can't. No, he won't. I'm telling people, you, he won't. people can't you can change. You believe that he will? I'm telling you, he won't. Yeah, just like Michigan when is going to win a national title in 2019. Throws, you have endless options in adjustments and systems because yeah. you can attack the entire field in any way that you choose to do so. And that is much more diverse for a defense to have to defend the whole field than it is a running quarterback, no matter how electric you're also they state, are. You're also ignoring how defenses, by their very nature, are reactionary and are absolutely controlled by the offense. Defenses do not control how a game flow goes. It's the offense. Offenses are the ones who dictate how a play's tempo goes, how a game's tempo goes. The defense reacts to it. Now, if a game pace changes, it is because the offense is unable to control things. But you're acting like a defense is somehow going to control how Baltimore does their game. Baltimore controls how Baltimore does their offense. They're going to figure out how to defend Baltimore. And when that comes, but you're also being very general about that, like defense, like all these defenses. Oh my god! I I don't understand how you think it's some absurd thing to for the to state the thing that always happens. Defenses always adjust schematically. It happens no matter what. You can. There is no foolproof system, and you know that. Not the lines. I mean, you guys think Lamar Jackson's a top five quarterback who's going to have sustained success in the NFL. I think he's a top 18 quarterback that's not going to have sustained success after four years, period. Four or five years, and he is below average. As long as he doesn't take till he's 30 to put it together like Phillip Rivers did. What do we got next? Someone left. Dylan's back. He came back. It says he is. I don't know. I don't hear him, but. Technical difficulty. Bill? Ryan, did Yo. you say your piece yet? 
Yeah, I said as long as Lamar Jackson doesn't take until he's 30 to get good like Phillip Rivers, I think we're good. <laughs> no, uh, based on Paul's original question. Yeah, for I this mean. this year. Oh, for this year? Oh, it's yeah, three, three baby. To me. Give me Russ Rogers uh, just yeah. for this year. Who am I going to take? Broken-ass Stafford? Old-ass Brady? No, thank right. you. Right. <laughs> I, I, I can't considering the combination let's even like just put it as a the position of okay well defenses don't figure haven't figured him out yet whether they do at all or the fact that apparently lamar can't change his quarterback baltimore can't adapt and evolve their offense or draft players to alter their offense at all apparently it's just stone cold Stop. this Nobody version of baltimore that. will stay the Nobody same forever uh, close to that. Key, uh, keeping all that outside of it for this year in 2019 if you don't have lamar in your top five i don't understand what football you're watching i am watching football that i know that when i need to go to new england in the playoffs i need to score more than 20 points you're also acting like too. new england is going to have the home field advantage and also again 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 because you keep ignoring this man john has had worse teams almost beat new england they have almost beaten new england multiple times if it weren't for their freaking kickers they have had joe flacco beat them and if you think joe flacco is better than lamar then we don't have anything to I mean, discuss because Super we're not Bowl even on the same level anything lamar could ever dream of all right, we're done. I mean, it's I'm better than a lot of quarterbacks could ever dream of. That specific Super Bowl <laughs> yeah. run, that was insane. But again, and also again, I'm not even talking about just that. The, he ha, they he John has proven again and again. John Harbaugh. I don't know why I keep calling him John. It's just a shorter way to do it. Whatever. I don't understand why you don't think that this guy who has been. I would say outside of Coughlin, the only person who has proven to be able to go toe-to-toe with Belichick why, why, why in do every I think way. Why do special teams coach I, isn't all of a sudden going to make the most foolproof offensive plan in the history of the NFL? You're again, why, do you, why are you ignoring the history? When has John Harbaugh ever been substantially outcoached by Bill Belichick? I'm telling. Listen, I don't get it. Like, why you're you acting want. like they're not going to be in a competitive game when they go to New England and score 19 points and lose by 10. Okay, you said they're going to score 20. Tom Brady in the playoffs. But the the best thing for <laughs> one Lamar, point difference. Oh my the, god! The best thing for Lamar is that he is in such a sweet spot to succeed. Not only does he have John Harbaugh, Greg Roman, but the guys around him, guys like Mark Ingram. He's not, he's not he's not the youngest running back um in the world but he's not you know 35 he's not from I mean, he's... you have you have Mark Andrews who it seems like is going to be part of the Ravens oh, plan for a long good. time guys guys like Hollywood Brown that can stretch the field and they're already developing this type of relationship and this type of rapport so at least on the offensive end which is where Lamar is right he does he himself doesn't have to worry about the defense uh, who's played better Thank God. Um, but to, to the original point, you know, they're forming together an offensive, like, cohesive unit that they're going to have core pieces there around for a long time. For, you know, guys like Witten, uh, Witten and Romo, I'm thinking a lot of tight ends just because of Mark Andrews. But, you know, guys who have been staples of the offense, it's not like Lamar is going to be with a rotating cast of characters every year. Like, you know, like even a Russell Wilson is, um, he's – if they keep these guys, which they should because they're all really good and they're all really young, right, they're going to be able to develop uh, just 
like a, a bond that, you know, we see with New England, particularly in Julian Edelman and Tom Brady now, where they just know where each other's going to be at all times. And like we saw with Brady and Gronk because they played together for so long. That uh, That is I one of the reasons, at least, why I think Lamar is going to outlast your three, four-year sentiment or whatever it is that you're going to place on him because he's going to be in a position with these guys who he's already with and who are already tearing up the league. Right. And they're going to keep continuing to build and add more guys to enhance this. On top of that, dude, I think we've said this already. Mark Ingram, first off, is probably going to win Comeback Player of the Year. My God. This is exactly what everybody thought Mark Ingram was going to be, and he was wasted almost his entire career in New Orleans where he was wasted. They didn't use him right at all. Look at how Mark Ingram is doing this year. My God. Like, it's not just Lamar. They got dogs on that side of the ball i mean mark ingram is pretty young body wise because he was ignored for five years <laughs> right because so, they didn't use him ever he, he doesn't have uh, as well, much he, mileage. he is gonna turn 30 he doesn't though. have as much mileage on the tires as the average 30 year old running back he he was for yeah. whatever reason I, I think he slept with sean payton's wife i don't know uh <laughs> He just didn't get used the way he should have gotten used. I mean, even even Baltimore, he hasn't himself. I mean, they still spread the ball around between Lamar running it and other running backs carrying some of the rock. I mean, Ingram's, what, 14 carries a game somewhere around there? It's not like... He has 136 on the year. Okay, so yeah, I, that's just and Lamar has, 14. what, 115? Yeah, so they're very close. <laughs> We have ourselves some grizzly takes. There is a banjo strumming away in the background. No, it's not me yet. The first topic for grizzly takes that we have, gentlemen, is a professional team in the NFL, a move or a non-move more specifically. Yes, Paul, I did say regardless. That they hadn't done in the last five years. So what is what is a, what is something that teams had not done that could have just completely changed their fortunes? Uh, maybe it was a pick, a hire, a non-hire. Who knows? Ryan, you'll answer the question first. What do you have in mind? Well, thank you. So my number one is what I wanted the Lions to do back uh, after the season of 2015 so after 2015 going into 2016 and that was trading Stafford to the Dallas Cowboys who had just come off of a 4-12 and year they had the fourth pick in the draft that they ended up taking Ezekiel Elliott with but to me that was the perfect time to trade Stafford that was on the uh, back end of Stafford's second contract where he was making 17 Sorry, no, he's making about $22.5 million a year. So it was before you were going to extend Stafford in 2017 and make him the highest paid uh, player in NFL history at that point. And he still would have been under team control for 2016 and then 2017 as well. Of course, the Cowboys probably would have extended him. But that's a point um, to me, at least in NFL history, where and in Lions history, you, it's clear you're not going anywhere with Matthew Stafford. Um, even then, they'd had so many seasons with him, and of course, no fault to Stafford, the Lions just weren't able to get it going. So for me, that was the time to hit the reboot. He hadn't, uh, he hadn't had, of course, the back injury yet that's plagued him the last couple of years now. 
but he was you know making his way he was still probably a top five quarterback in the nfl you trade him to the cowboys who love matthew stafford they love he's from dallas it's a trade that you know is going to benefit him because he's uh you know he's going back home and it's a team that had um uh, just some injury misfortune but they were a pretty good team around it anyway then they don't probably obviously take Dak Prescott uh, in that 2016 draft but that's a move you make you get a King's Ransom you know probably the likes we haven't seen since like uh, Herschel Walker got traded and then you're able to build your team from the from the ground up there that's how it's done trade Stafford in 20 after 2015 to the Cowboys Grizzly, I've been on this and I still believe it. Absolutely. I think it would be better for both parties that this is the case. You'd get a haul and Stafford probably would have won a Super Bowl. So, Grizzly. It's absolutely mind-bogglingly cuddly. Stafford is the absolute only thing that this team has and Bob Quinn was the GM in 2015 and he has shown complete ineptitude to add pieces to this team in any way be it the draft or free agency mistakes with when he has no idea how to team build and getting rid of the only thing that made this team look somewhat competent okay well Everything that is going to be, for me, is going to be one that, or for all of us apparently, may be lines related. I have a feeling I stole Paul's, but it absolutely is in 2017, the Detroit Lions should have traded for John Harbaugh. Uh, Ozzie Newsom was on the outs with him. They had lo- they had not made the playoffs in three straight seasons. Everybody had started. But st- stocks for John Harbaugh were the lowest they co- possibly could have been. You would have traded for, in my personal opinion, arguably the second or third best coach in the NFL. And it could have completely changed the way this team was able to team build. Harbaugh obviously would have made Bob Quinn's worst demons not possible. Who even knows how this offense, this defense, this team in total could have looked like. There's a very good chance that this roster, this franchise, could have been changed around if they just took a risk. So, again, 2017, traded for John Harbaugh. That is grizzly for me. I'm a big John Harbaugh fan. Love what he's doing with my man's Lamar. The better of the Harbaugh's, of course. Always have to mention that when we bring his name up. But he's better than any coach that the Lions would have gotten their hands on. Caldwell, Patricia, uh, even Terrell Austin at a time when people thought he might be promoted. So it's grizzly for me. It's wildly grizzly for me. It could have potentially saved this team from the disaster that we're in right now. And not to mention... One of the best punters in the league, Sam Martin, <laughs> might actually kick his punts out of bounds if John Harbaugh was our coach. Which is an extremely frustrating thing for me to watch. Like, we don't do the thing. And it very much low-key upsets me. So yes, very grisly. And mine, you didn't steal mine. But mine is in the coaching realm. And I've mentioned this before. It's the thing that will upset me literally until the day I die because the Lions are never going to win anything to alleviate that part of my tortured soul. It's they didn't hire a real coach in 2014. They went and hired a garbage retread instead. And specifically that coach being John Gruden. No, sorry, Jay Gruden. Jesus, not John. 
other Gruden, Jay Gruden. Uh, if you've listened to this podcast before, you know that the Lions, well, I mean, if you watch football, you know the Lions were right there in 2014, and how different things would have been. We would not have drafted Eric Ebron, we would have drafted Aaron Donald, we would have had Sean McVay as an offensive coordinator with Matt Stafford at the helm in a very talented offense. We still had Calvin Johnson back then. Literally, legitimately a Super Bowl caliber team had you went out and hired a real head coach, and we didn't. We went and hired complete garbage, and we've never recovered. It's been completely downhill. We ended up losing our GM because of it. Then we lost that coach, and it's just been a complete shit show since. This is Grizzly for me. I love the Sean McVay, Matt Stafford um, combination, of course, and then anything that would have gotten Aaron Donald on this team is always going to hold uh, hold priority in my heart. So it's very uh, interesting that you mentioned that because I remember you talking about this previously, about uh, Jay Gruden, and at first I, I kind of scoffed at it, but as I've kind of distanced away from it, as he, as the situation in Washington has kind of shown for what it truly is, I think that Jay Gruden's going to be a very Belichick kind of guy in the sense that the second job is going to show how bad the first one really was. I think that whoever is going to hire this guy a second time around is going to get just an ace as long as it's, you know, not a complete dumpster fire. And so I'm going to say Grizzly on that. And as we go on, we've been talking a lot about trends and themes uh, throughout the NFL so far. And I had something specific in mind for this. But gentlemen, in 2019, what is a trend or theme that, excuse me, that you are seeing in the NFL? I mean, obviously from... Lamar Jackson, who we talked about before taking over the league. And you've heard it a lot on social media, but the the year of the black quarterback, you had Deshaun Watson, Russell Wilson, now Lamar Jackson entering the fold. Uh, And then you have some that aren't doing so good. You know, the Jameis Winstons of the world. Even Kyler Murray is out there balling in Arizona. Uh, So for a position that for a long time was not even just like predominantly white like strictly white where people legitimately thought that you know black men weren't smart enough to play quarterback to see the nfl offenses evolve and take ever so much more from the college game every single year um and just have quarterbacks that are a little bit more athletic able to do things that quarterbacks in the past weren't you know they're getting these guys in the right systems with the right coaches that are obviously dispelling a a very old narrative um but now you look at it and i don't know if a black quarterback has ever won mvp uh but you know this year it's looking very very likely with the top two candidates um both being black quarterbacks so we're all here for progress for progress like Kate Beck in the NFL, just to just to round it out. But I think there's what six or seven starting black quarterbacks. Uh, there's actually more. I've done a count. Uh, well, you have. I don't want to. You know, this is. I'm not gonna. We're not gonna go through each one. But there's there's a lot. Needless to say. I'm gonna go through. Um, however, Cam doesn't count. I am going to say cuddly for one reason. Oh, you call it I don't inherently think that this is a racial thing where it's, oh, it, well, it's just trending towards black quarterbacks. I think that it's well, just in general. Well, I'm aware. And I think that for this year, it, it's proving not that there is specifically a racial component, but that the style of play of a mobile quarterback and inherently that has been tied to black quarterbacks in the past but we can look at other individuals such as josh allen that are proof of this as well even baker to a certain degree quarterbacks need to move now 
Defensive ends are becoming the best athletes on the defensive sides of the ball. You need to be able to get your ass out of there. If you don't, you're going to get killed, you're going to get hurt, and that's not going to work. So I think it's more a general mobile trend, not necessarily a racial one. Although the two are definitely intertwined, so I, I see what you mean. Oh, yeah, there's, there's a shit ton. So just the, the highlights, obviously. Kyler, Lamar Jackson, Patrick Mahomes, Deshaun Watson, uh, Dak even, and then Teddy Bridgewater for a lot of this year. And Jacoby Brissett. Yep, Jacoby, Dwayne Haskins there too, James. I tried to highlight the better ones. So to clarify, we didn't, we kept this broad, it's just purely yeah, it's yeah, something that you've noticed this year, it sounded like. like. Theme for the, yep. And I want to make sure I'm not getting this wrong from Ryan. Oh boy. What you are taking out of this year is that black quarterbacks are quarterbacks too. Nah, it's the rise of the black quarterback, baby. What is this? Is this 1955? I, I mean, the opposite. That's his point. Right. I, I mean, have we not had a history of great black quarterbacks for 40 fucking not years? Not like now? this. Not all in the league at the same time. Right. I, I, it's super cuddly. I don't even know where to begin with this one. It's It's absurd. It doesn't sound I, like you I understand know, it. I don't know how your takeaway in 2019 NFL, all the wild and some cool, some terrible stuff that's going on, and your takeaway is black quarterbacks can play football too. That That's right. not what it is. <laughs> that's, not, like, that's, not, that's what you don't get. What is I, – I guess I don't understand what you're I, your I know you is. don't understand it. When we tried to tell you <laughs> and you were like, well, now it's this. Sh- shorthand it for me. I tell you, man, it's the rise of the black quarterbacks. We've never had this many black quarterbacks um, succeeding at this level. So you've mentioned, of course, there have been black quarterbacks before. It hasn't been all white up until this year. But there haven't been right now. There's, you know, eight or nine. Uh, and you can even throw Teddy Bridgewater for the work that he did for Drew Brees. But it's, you know, a good, a good portion of the league now. Of course, it's not more. But it's just people are shedding the notion that, you know, even people have with, like, Cam Newton. Um, some of his detractors, you could tell a lot of that was s- sort of racially based, even though there's a lot of room uh, of criticism for Cam. But that's what. So this is this is where you're confusing because you keep bringing up the your take sounds like you're trying to make it well. We have more successful black quarterbacks than ever, but at the same time, it, you also are very much pointing to the fact that it was a belief that they couldn't succeed before, which I think is absurd. There was, there was, and that belief is what prohibited black quarterbacks from being in the league for so long. And I'm now sure that it wasn't black quarterbacks playing football and just not being that great. What? I mean, it's like anybody else. If you flame out a quarterback, you're in a flame league. Well, but in teams, fair, in teams fair. have never not wanted to put the best players on the but, field. But again, that's why, that's why I was That's why it took Jackie Robinson back, so long to get to the way, MLB. Oh, way back before, way any of us were born, before our parents were born. Yeah, if you want to go back that far, sure. But in any, the last 50 years, teams want to put the best players on but the th- field. But that's why I said I think that the trend is more accurately mobile and it coincides with there being more black quarterbacks because those Not two things baby. have overlapped. I, I, I hate everything about this take. All right, whatever. This. Moving on to I, my... Oh, I do have one question, though. Is Russ Wilson black? I just yes. want to clarify. Hey, hey, no, no, no. <laughs> I ain't about to rob Parker this shit. Get out of here. There's a banjo playing in the background. We can't be more stereotypical for you, so we're moving on. 
Alright, so, my take, and this is the reason I asked this question, and it's a reason why I have been harping on Baltimore so much, it is my very, very, very strong belief that the whole, the NFL is a passing league shit is not accurate, and we are seeing a groundswell of changes in that regard. I don't know if I've ever had this much knowledge about the fullback position in some time. Patrick DeMarco out of Buffalo, Patrick Rickard out of uh, Baltimore, Anthony Sherman in Kansas City, Jameez Awaway or whatever the hell his name is in for the Dallas Cowboys, CJ Ham in Minnesota, or Kyle Juszczyk in San Francisco. The teams that are succeeding are using the fullback position again the way that it used to. Teams that have time of possession and run the ball, not with single back like it used to, but by committee. It seems the league is changing where go ahead and pass all you want. We'll just make sure you're not seeing the field. And I think that's a really big trend that moving forward is going to make certain teams more successful. And that's why I think the Baltimores of the world are going to be more successful than the Kansas Cities. It's, I mean, it's absolutely grisly for a million reasons. And it's, nothing triggers me more than hearing the term modern offense. Uh, nothing points to the ignorance of the speaker more than the term modern offense. Uh, a famous coach in Michigan had a point a minute offense in like 1902. Um, this isn't some new wave that offenses want to score points. That's kind of the point of the game. And as we've seen, no matter how offensively inclined or passing inclined the games become, the sustained success teams have good defenses. They have offensive lines that can control a game. They have a ground game that works when they need it to. And schemes come and go. Trends in football come and you look at the history of football, you've had defensive slogs for a decade and offensive explosions for a decade, all different kinds from the wish bone to the triple option to the west coast offense there's it just it's cyclical and to be like oh modern offense you got to pass the ball 40 times that's the only way you can win anything this is absurd in the first place and you are absolutely right and i'm so happy to see i like the way that you gave the example the fullback is back in vogue it, let's play some smash mouth football right it's grizzly but you're also not going to win a uh, a super bowl with the trend for at quarterback again so there is a, kind of a kind of a give and take to it that you have to have a good quarterback, although you don't have to throw the ball all over the field like you're, you know, Baylor with uh, I mean, you say that like Peyton under Manning Art Bryles. win a quarterback with hmm. no arms. <laughs> True. Or, I'm sorry, didn't win a Super Bowl. Uh, you absolutely can't do it. It's just obviously it's a lot harder. It, my takeaway, my main takeaway from the NFL in 2019 is that it is still, it always has been, and it always will be about the GM over anybody else in the organization, over the quarterback, over the coaching staff, over anything. Because GM builds the team, literally, from the ground up. He puts that talent on the field. And no matter who your coaching staff is, with the right talent, they can look good, unless it's Jeff Fisher. He has <laughs> amazing propensity to be average, no matter what the situation. 7-9 train. So many times, over and over and over again, and we suffer as a Lions fan more than ever is you gotta have the right guys at the top and everyone wants to blame the owner or the coaching staff or the quarterback or the defense and I'm not this is not Lions specific this is across the NFL GMs 
even though they hold almost all of the power and have the greatest impact on the team, somehow are never at the forefront of the discussion. And yet all you see over and over again is how important team building top to bottom is. And yet we do not talk about the most important people in it nearly enough. I mean, if, if it's that GMs are underrated in a sense, then it's grizzly. But, I mean, I, I still think the players and the coaches have a lot to do with the outcome of the game. But I do understand the point that the GMs do build the... They build the team, put the coaches and players in position to make those plays, but at the end of the day, you still got to win. Uh, my my sentiment to that is that it's a, I have a little more refined version of it, so it's Grizzly, and specifically, the reason the GM matters is that you got to nail your quarterback pick, because if you do, you have basically a three- to four-year window to build up the team how you need to around them to make it work. If you don't nail that, we see what happens. New York Jets are a chief idea of this. The Bengals wound up being this. Cleveland is a situation of this. Whereas we see the opposites, like Baltimore and Buffalo, and to a smaller extent, Kansas City, you build up around the rookie, and a GM has to be the one to garner that sort of uh, success. So I'll agree with that. And we move right along to the next one. And this one, gentlemen, I am giving you a stipulation. You are making a master plan to fix your favorite team to change their trajectory to championship caliber. However, your moves must be able to be summarized in three points. I do not want a dissertation about how to fix it. You give me an elevator pitch plan to fix your team. Point A, point B, point C. Ryan, start us off. So you trade Blake Griffin and Andre Drummond. You tank and you draft LaMelo Ball. <laughs> For the Pistons, correct? <laughs> yes, sir. That's it? Yeah, I mean, you're going to let Reggie's contract expire uh, in that time, too. Okay. Very concise, very short. I, mean, I feel like we're prolonged tanking, right? <laughs> okay, okay. That's how this works. Yeah, you have I, a lot of salary to work with. Here's why I say cuddly. I think that your owner is a joke. Your cap situation is trash. You won't trade those players. Uh, but in an ideal sense, I still don't think LaMelo Ball is somehow going to fix Detroit basketball. So I will say cuddly. LaMelo, Luke, and Sekou, baby, for the future. I guess. I mean, we're not doing anything right now. I, I'm game to try it. I mean, I can say Grizzly to that to do something different, to ship off everybody and completely build from the ground up like we should have probably a really long time ago. And I, I mean, I'd be hyped to watch LaMelo play a little bit. Hell, hell, I, we should get LaMelo and then let's get LeVar. Not LeVar, Jesus. <laughs> LeVar head coach. LeVar will come regardless. It, right. It's not up to us. Um, Okay, beautiful. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, mine is obviously for my beloved Chicago Bears because Michigan State can't be helped, so I'm not wasting my time there. So, my master plan is three steps. Number one, in the year of 2020, you must do two things. You must trade for Cam Newton, 
and you must draft Jalen Hurts in the third or fourth round. He will drop that far, and you get them as a one-two tandem in the vein of what Kansas City did. Your second thing is to ride out Cam for the year, see that Matt Nagy is not the option, fire him, and force Jim Harbaugh back into the NFL, and to hire him on, I don't care if you have to pay him in the double digits, get Jim away from Michigan, he will come if there is not major success the next year, he'll be done with the franchise, with the program I should say, and he will restore the roar, the bear roar, in Soldier Field, and the third thing is that you build with Jim's principles of a very good running game, his propensity to utilize mobile quarterbacks in the right way, and you copy Baltimore's model around David Montgomery, the dual threats that you have either with Cam or Jalen Hurts, build up that offensive line for God's sake, and you do what Bears teams do best, defense and running the ball so much it hurts. Sounds like more than three steps. I'm going to let you tell me whether this is cuddly or grizzly because I have, from a principle standpoint, I completely agree with it, but similar to the way that you cuddled Ryan's, but even more so, there is... Nah, I, I gotta say it's grizzly. I'm gonna tell you right now, I don't think there's any chance that Jim Harbaugh ever coaches at not Michigan. He absolutely has no plans to. But if there was one franchise in the NFL that was capable of pulling him back under the right circumstances and with a buttload of cash, it would be the Bears. And everything you said makes sense and would be a drastically better option than whatever it is that Ryan Pace and you guys are doing right now. Yeah, Harbaugh's not going anywhere, so suck it. It's Grizzly. You're going to have to find a new head coach in four years, though, because your GM's just going to get mad at him, and either fire him or Harbaugh's going to walk away and then go back and coach Michigan again. But it may be, it'd be fun to see for you. I, I feel like... I guess I never flushed this out, but... I mean, obviously, the first thing the Lions have to do is find a new goddamn GM. And I'm not one of those sell the team people. I mean, it would be cool to have a, I don't know, Mark Cuban-style owner, somebody that seems like they care and demand actual, at least, attempt to be successful. We wouldn't have any woman in the organization, then. Plenty. (laughs) (laughs) There's plenty of franchises in sports that are not run by sports savvy people that have success so i'm not like oh my god it's all the sports you need the right gm i I talked about it in the grizzly take already it's all about the gms first of all you got to get the right gm in here and we haven't shown an ability to do that but i'm going to pretend and pretend land that we actually went out and nailed the gm and the first thing that this gm would be tasked with doing is separating us from everything disassociate with everything that we have done for the last 60 years because we are going to be a new team with a new identity and then you are blowing everything up you are completely starting from the ground up if it were to happen this year there's a case argument that you could make for keeping stafford but he's kind of broke uh he played through broken bones in his back last year 
he right now has a literal broken back and as tough as he is and as amazing as he is it's time to let him go see if he can win somewhere else because you need to tear this team down so much that by the time they are ready to contend on the level that you want to contend at, Stafford might not be in the NFL anymore. I don't know with his health and his family situation. I know this is kind of a 180 from what I said in recent weeks, but obviously his injury situation changes things a lot. And when you look at it, this is the second major back problem in two years. It really changes the scope of things. So you're building completely from the ground up. You're in your scouting department gone. You're not. I fire the goddamn janitors, honestly. If you were a part of this franchise in the past 60 years, you are no longer here. We are restarting from the ground up, and we are going to re—we're going to bring in a whole new scouting department. This is a huge thing to me. Is I think there's a massive place in the NFL that you can take an advantage of if you really pour money into scouting and development. I told you guys already. It starts at the front office. It starts with the GM. If you pour money into places and resources that are underutilized by other teams, you can have a huge advantage. And that's where it needs to be. It has to start at the top and then see what happens from there. As Cudley, you're trying to rob all the little kids of future Detroit of Barry Sanders highlights, and I won't have it. Barry yeah. Sanders highlights and no f***ing wins. That's so brutal. Uh, it's, it's full-scale seismic change. I appreciate that you're finally coming around to the whole Stafford thing when you were so incredulous to it before. Um, it's, it's grizzly. The Lions need a lot of help. And lastly, in the in the spirit of us going to see the Purple Cats and Patrick Fitzgerald, one of the most likable people in all of college football, what is it? What is a program? That it's just they're just so likable. You you're not necessarily a fan, but it's just so hard not to like them in the spirit of Northwestern football. Well, I mean, I've I've always kind of liked the Vikings just because they had Randy Moss, even though they're a division rival. They're like so far and away on the on the bottom of the division rival hate spectrum be uh, behind Green Bay and uh, in Chicago, but. I always liked the Vikings. I liked the colors. Uh, Randy Moss, Michael Bennett, Dante Culpepper. I was even a fan of the Brett Favre teams. Uh, Dalvin Cook, who I loved. I wanted the Lions to take him. So they've always had a, a lot of my favorite players, too. But I've, I've enjoyed the Vikings and all their sex boat shenanigans. That one's grizzly for me. The Vikings are sweet. Uh, I mean, you skipped me. And also, it's cuddly because they've done a lot of stuff to make people not like them. I mean, it, a lot of it is just stuck-up square white people problems, but it, still, it's not like universally people would hold your opinion as, uh, yeah, absolutely, yeah, of well, course. Is this our opinion like, or a universal opinion? I'm kind of treating it as both. I don't really think that the Vikings have always been super likable. Mine is one that is a little out of left field, but it's one that I think everybody has a sentiment towards, and specifically there's a moment that makes them one of the most likable programs ever, and that is the Wichita State Shockers. They are, first off, have a fantastic color scheme, awesome mascot, the home stadium from what I've heard, arena I should say, is phenomenal. The program is gr is just, they're great for a mid-major, but that game where they had such a raw deal and still fought through against a Kentucky team that was underseeded as an MFR, a number one seed that got out in the second round and people still thought they were one of the best teams in the country. Uh, Wichita State has to be one of the most likable programs in all of sports. 
I, I think I referred to them as frauds before, maybe in last year's NCAA tournament or the one before that. So just on principle of consistency, I'm going to say cuddly. I'm going to say cuddly. Like, hey, their run was cool, but there was never, like, I never found myself rooting for them outside of that. Like, I never checked, paid attention to the standings in recent years. A little extra, you know, how's Wichita State doing or whatever. Like, their run was cool. Uh, Greg Marshall is still there and kind of almost at this point underachieving like slid back to the pack a little bit he certainly so people expected wichita state to do one of two things either really take off as a program or him to leave for bigger greener pastures and neither of those things have happened which to me just makes it feel all more like kind of one-off thing even though it was a couple year span i, I just never got that attachment so mine is I kind of waffled on this a bit because my when I'm looking at other teams outside of my own fandom, it really comes in spurts and is a spur of the moment thing it for like a couple years depending on their situation. But a team that I've liked for a long time is Oklahoma State, football specifically. Um, just a fun, plucky team to watch. I've had a lot of cool players that I've liked from there. Uh, I love... I love Mike Gundy, honestly. I love him. I think he's absolutely phenomenal. Brandon Whedon. You had a 35-year-old quarterback in college just tearing it up. I mean, that's awesome. It's wholesome. It's like, I they, there's always something going on at Oklahoma State, whether they're bad or they're good, that they're endearing to me. They're fun to watch. They're just they're like a plucky underdog, but they're feisty, and sometimes they're not. Sometimes they actually have a good team. And then you even have guys like Justin Blackman roll through there that aren't the typical Oklahoma State guy, but even you kind of love him for a minute until you realize how much of an idiot he is, but he was super talented at least. They always have something cool going on, and I've always kind of paid attention to them. As Grizzly for me, I used to play with them in NCAA football when they had Brandon Whedon and Justin Blackman, and those teams were, were phenomenally fun to play with in the video game, and I like Mike Gundy. And black and orange look sweet, right? True. Uh, Mike Gundy's soundbite makes them obviously very endearing but having des bryant and justin blackman as two of your more marquee players does offset the fantastic nature of having barry sanders and chubba hubbard um i i gotta say cuddly because the receivers at oakie state have been kind of dicks so i'm sad that you mentioned barry sanders because i very purposely omitted Barry Sanders in relation to my recent Grizzly take. Mm-hmm. He just wants to cut Barry Sanders out of history. <laughs> he wish he wasn't born. Uh, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> I love Barry Sanders. I mean, Barry Sanders is amazing, but uh, we gotta move on, man. I, we really have to move on from this. Every, Speaking of moving on. Every every time that Paul hears the Adam divorce uh, commercial, he just oh, cries. Oh, no. I, it's so cringe, too. It is so cringe. And the sad thing is, if you don't listen to Metro Detroit Sports Radio, you have no idea what we're talking about. But it's a commercial that Barry did, and it's so cringe. And I don't even think Barry ever had a divorce. I don't know. No, he did. He, oh, he absolutely he did. Oh, it was bad. I, but I, I think that would have been a pretty easy bullshit to call. If Barry Sanders doing divorce well, so, commercials. But the thing that always got me is right after Barry's done talking, they have the disclaimer that 
this is not a real thing. Yeah, it's not <laughs> legal like, advice or whatever. Well, no, and they say they basically say like a, this was not this endorse is an endorsement. This didn't happen. Whatever. It was just, like stupid. I hate that commercial so much. Oh my god, it just kills me. Inside. <laughs> I, I, I really one eight hundred Adam divorce. <laughs> now speaking of moving on, just like the Lions are moving on from Barry Sanders and all of their dark, terrible history, um, that closes our Grizzly Take segment. I think we closed it out on a nice positive note other than Dylan divorce doesn't law. like Oklahoma State Sponsors. for whatever reason. Uh, we're on to the picks, aren't we? Yep. Those are the picks. Yeah. Alright, we're, we're going to do the picks. So I had last a bad week, week was an interesting... You didn't. You were 5-5. Five and five. It was not bad. Ugh. Absolutely wasn't bad. Um, Don had a very good week. Don went 9-1. and one. Holy balls. Don had a really good week. And William went 9 shot, and 1. Todd, that is. We're going to talk about William in a minute. No, we're not. He's, he's <laughs> calling some people on the podcast out. But Don's great week of 9 and 1 last week, 5 and 0 oh in the NFL, 4 and 1 in college, absolutely steamrolled, has moved him up into second place, just a game back of Ryan. In third is Ooh. Matt, a couple games back of Don. I'm a couple games back of Matt in fourth and bringing up the rear one game back the only one of us under 500 just barely is dylan but all still very respectable and we coming down the stretch here it is very close i mean last place to first place is just a six game difference uh leading the nfl picks is myself just over 500 it's been brutal this year for everybody where ryan is was running away with college picks until this last week we're now done this nice 600 in college picks but we have another good slate this week a lot of good football games a lot of interesting spreads to me and matt isn't here to pick them but he did send in his picks too and we start with a game that normally would not be on this list because from a football standpoint it doesn't offer anything fabulous but Sports Carnage podcast crew is going to be there in person. That's right. We are traveling to Evanston as we open the cast talking about to see the upstart PJ Flex boat rowing, even though they took a little bit of hit on the oar last week to Iowa. Minnesota travels at Northwestern. They're still in the top 10. Is that right, Dylan? Correct. They are number 10. Only dropped two ranked. spots. Do me a favor and pull up the rankings. Yes, the sir. updated ones since I don't have them. Because you're but trash, Minnesota, yes. Minnesota travels to Evanston. We're going to be there. I don't know if this is true, but Vegas Insiders never lied to me. But it said the spread for this game opened at minus 7, which I found I hard to how. believe. It's because they forgot a zero. This, right? <laughs> especially when the spread is now minus 13.5, which seems to me still low. But whatever. We got Minnesota favored by under two touchdowns. And... Matt and Don already have their picks in, locked in for Minnesota. Don does have a message for us. He said William, which is his son, who I don't know how old William is. I think he's like six years old. Uh, old old does, enough to be trashed by his the father. Picks with Don. And uh, William had a very pointed message this week. He said he was going to beat Dylan in the picks this week. So mm. we're going to keep close track of that as we progress. Moving on would be the picks, by the way. You can make your pick. I don't think my purple pants will be enough to offset the ass-whooping that Minnesota is going to lay down on Northwestern. I'll be cheering my heart out for the exact opposite, but I expect, fully expect Minnesota to take care of, to take care of this two-win Northwestern team and you know, fire, put the fuel on the fire of the fire Pat Fitzgerald train. 
Well, Minnesota being number 10 means that there is absolute hope still. The fact that they only moved down two spots means they still have an outsider chance at the playoff, and they will make that known 50 to 10, something like that. Jesus! Minnesota. On the plus side, if the score is as Dylan indicates, we will leave after the third quarter. (laughs) You thought... We will catch Michigan, Indiana at a nice, cozy bar. I will leave. Someone's going to be leaving. Uh, that's a clean sweep for us. We're all taking Minnesota because how do you not take Minnesota at the spread? Uh, I was initially hoping the spread was going to be large enough that I could pick Northwestern so I could root for Northwestern because you guys are nice. We get some rooting interest. But now I get to root for a blowout and a ditch early and get absolutely wasted. To a game that we hope, hope will be more competitive, but – the spread would indicate maybe not. Penn State, where did they fall to this week? Uh, they are number eight. They didn't fall. They moved up. One. They moved up. Why, why right, would they perfect. fall? So we got eighth-ranked <laughs> Penn State on principle because they're so overrated, honestly. Uh, we got eighth-ranked Penn State traveling to Columbus to what I assume are still the second-ranked yes, Buckeyes. Yep. And those Buckeyes, who admittedly have absolutely shellacked every single team they've played this year, they are 18-point favorites over another top-eight opponent. Well, Chase Young is back this week for Ohio State, and even if he wasn't, I would pick them to win this game by three touchdowns. But they're seeing everyone else in the Big Ten falling off. They're going to put their foot on everybody's neck and probably win all the rest of these games. Sorry, Paul, Michigan included, by at least like 17 points um, and it'll start with Penn State where they obliterate that 17 and they win by like 30. My god uh, Penn State was a, was barely able to eke out against Indiana a good Indiana team but they probably shouldn't have won that game Ohio State is going to just destroy Penn State so bad the police are going to be called to the stadium. I will take the guys by at least four scores so I just got done saying how overrated Penn State is. And they are. I mean, Michigan is better than Penn State is. But this game is kind of a weird game. This is a game that Penn State has to have close, if not win. Penn State is still in the race. They can still win the Big Ten East. They can still win the Big Ten. Hell, if they were to win out and win the Big Ten, they still have an outside shot to make the playoff. You think they're not going to show up for this game? Ohio State has Michigan looming next week. You think that they're going to be just fully ready to win by 40. I don't. This is where both myself and William make up a game on all of you guys. I am taking Penn State. 18 is just too much, man. That's just disrespect. I hate James Franklin, too, and he's not a real coach. But they're <laughs> not as much as me. Closer than that. This game is, is a game that you probably don't want to watch, even if you are a Michigan State fan. Uh, Michigan State travels to Rutgers, and it's been – quite a disappointing season but michigan state needs this game and the next to get to bowl eligible and they should get them because they're against nobodies uh michigan state opened as a 23 point favorite somehow as bad as Rutgers is that's been bet down to 20.5 points come on guys tell me you can beat Rutgers by three touchdowns please um man that's that's tough (laughs) that's tough actually no no I'll, i'll still take michigan state I just don't see Rutgers uh, scoring enough, and I think Michigan State can get to 30 in this game, which should be enough to cover or to win by 21. Such a bad pick. I'm already regretting it, but go green. The Tom, 
the comments today have just proven my sentiment last week even more true. Spartans everywhere, you must pray for a Scarlet Knights victory. I am. I will take Rutgers. What is happening that we are picking, and, and Don as well picked Rutgers to cover over Michigan State. What is What world have we come to? Uh, Matt at least has some sense on this one. He's sticking with his boys in green. Although that worries me that I'm on the wrong side of history here as Matt and Ryan both stuck by the boys in green inexplicably the last week. And we know how that panned out. <coughs> as poor as Michigan State has been, they're going to win the two games and get the bowl eligibility. And how they might win a bowl game to cap D'Antonio's last season at 7-6. and six, which Sure I shit do doesn't sound like it. It's his last season, but we will see. Uh, dude, honestly, this is not about Michigan State at the end of the day. Rutgers is an FCS-level program and not a good FCS-level program. If Michigan State does not win this game by four touchdowns, board up the program, forfeit your last game against Maryland, and I, I don't even know, man. I sell everything off and donate the money to rape victims at this point. I don't even care. All right. This is a trap game, according to Dylan. According to the press, according to everybody I've heard, we got Michigan, who is ranked 13? What is Michigan ranked? 13 is correct. 13th ranked Michigan, according to the latest CFP rankings. And they travel to kind of upstart Indiana, who's been a much different team under Allen, and really, I think, should be in the top 25. Uh, even with Michigan's road difficulties... Their recent surge has them as nine-point favorites. I just don't want to pick all the favorites. They're at, they're at home, though. No. After after the letdown last week at Penn State, I don't know how much more this Indiana team has to fight for, and they're still a team that hasn't looked well. They only beat Nebraska by a touchdown, only beat Maryland by six points. Uh, they did shut out Rutgers but lost to Michigan State. Um, smacked out Northwestern, who we'll see. So looking at that, I do expect Michigan to be at least two scores better than Indiana is. Give me the Wolverines. Indiana has a lot to play for, including the first 10-win season in the school's history. They are absolutely a good enough team to do it. They should have beaten Penn State last week. Ramsey has proven to be a more than competent backup. In fact, I think that they're not skipping a beat on this. Michigan has had a rough time in Bloomington, and this is an impassioned Indiana team. This is probably going to be a sellout, and I got to take the Hoosiers here. I think this is going to be a down-to-the-wire game, and it's not an indictment on Michigan. I want to make that clear. Indiana is that good. So we're all very split on this game. Uh, You guys are split. Matt picked Indiana. William slash Don picked Michigan. And myself, I was very torn picking this game because we've got a lot of contrasting things going on. I'm a believer in Indiana. I really think they're a top 25 team. And I said before the season, inexplicably, regardless of how good or bad they are or how good or bad we are, especially since it's not a rivalry game, Indiana always plays Michigan tough. Like, I mean, look at last year. At home, Michigan played, Indiana played Michigan tough. But this one, I got to give the edge with recency and as decent as Indiana's looked I think Michigan is on a mission right now and I don't know how much it's going to matter a week from now but this game this week 
I think they get it done. I think they use Indiana as the perfect springboard to prep for OSU. And I think this is the one that goes against type, that really breaks out what you expect to happen. And I think in what would be a surprise, I think Michigan wins by a few scores here. The last three games that uh, Michigan has played in Bloomington have been one-score games. And I reiterate, Indiana always plays us tough, which is why I think actually backing Michigan with the points here is the off-paper choice. This is one I just have a feeling about. Michigan just seems to be very much surging and clicking on all cylinders right now. So unranked Texas travels to 14th-ranked Baylor. Baylor, five-and-a-half-point favorite. Tom Herman came out and said, we're Baylor. Baylor's just closed their one-score games, basically, paraphrasing a little bit. Dylan took great exception to that because Texas and Tom Herman are a joke to him. So I can guess what side of the line Dylan is taking, but we're going to hear from Ryan first on this one. I think Texas, I think Tom Herman has lost that Texas team. And last week's loss, Baylor has a chance. Hold on. There's a lot lot of background noise. I'm going to do that again so it doesn't get fucked up. All right, here we go. Sorry about that. People, People coming in and out. I think that Tom Herman has lost this Texas team, and sort of the opposite for Baylor. They know they'll get another crack at Oklahoma, and they have to take care of this business first. I think they do that. I think they do beat Texas by more than five points. All they have to do, of course, is beat them by a touchdown. Very great math, Uh, and I expect that to happen. I expect Baylor to have a, a pretty nice bounce back after imploding last week. My God, is Texas on the same track as Nebraska. Do you know, this is insane. I can't even believe this is real. Did you know that Texas football has not had less than four losses since 2010? Holy shit. Michigan didn't even do that. Like, Texas, Texas football is not what we remember. And Baylor is a better program than them since 2010, and it'll show. Yeah, they gave up an Atlanta-sized lead, but at the same time, at least they can score. Texas defense is god-awful, and it's going to show again. Tom Herman is a joke, and Texas football is as well. I'm glad you guys picked Baylor, because the intellectuals of the group all picked Texas, including William, who's getting another leg up on Dylan. Texas is not what people expected Texas to be. But Tom Herman, at least from a logical perspective, was not without merit in what he said. They've played everybody close. They lost to LSU by, what, a touchdown? And they hung That's points not on LSU, a very good LSU team. I said, that's why I asked. I said, by what, a touchdown? It wasn't a lot. They didn't get killed by it, LSU. It they was a touchdown. They played a real good game. Thank you. Uh, they, they, were, scored, they scored at the end. That was right. I scored at the end. They were in that game the whole game. They were not. Their secondary made sure of that. They were legitimately a couple plays from winning that game. You're legitimately wrong. Semantics doesn't matter. They have played tough all year. They have not closed games. Tom Herman's right about that. Who has closed games is Baylor. But Baylor has not looked impressive this year. Closed games? I'm sorry, what? Overtime (laughs) to beat TCU. Scraping by against lesser Big 12 teams. that also don't have a defense like Texas. You know what Baylor doesn't have? They don't have Sam Ellinger. And what does Baylor have? A blown 25-point lead? Boomer! The biggest game you've had in Sooner! 
and you can drive a stake through them and make your playoff case, you're up by 25 and you blow that lead. Boom! I posted a thing about it. It was like the something never been done before, the largest second half lead in God knows how long. And, and you're telling me that's the team that you think is going to beat Texas by a touchdown? Are you kidding me right Texas now? Texas lost to TCU by 10. Get the hell out of here. And I would like to be clear, both of these teams kind of suck. Boom. Anyways. The Big 12 is trash. Also, I picked all road teams in college, which seems like a recipe for absolute disaster, especially in college. I, pay, I picked all the favorites. <laughs> I'm not feeling good about it. No, you picked it. Oh no, you no, you're I'm looking at the wrong column. You did pick all the favorites. Oof. So we're we're gonna see. We got some real typing to break. Well that concludes college, and this should be a real fun slate this week for a myriad of reasons. We gotta go over to the NFL. And we have a fantastic slate in the NFL. And Dylan Except is mad. For the first Dylan game. is mad that we're picking Detroit like we pick every single week that they play no. outside of last week, which I explained in depth. Nope. We do know who's starting at quarterback for Detroit. It is not Matthew Stafford. It's very unfortunate. Despite that, despite going on the road to Washington, a team that we always struggle against on the road, Jeff Driscoll and the Lions are favored by three and a half points. And they opened at one and a half. It's just moving all over. People, that's how bad Washington is, really, right? Like, that's just an example of how terrible this Washington franchise is right now. Terrible, but not terrible enough. Washington will beat the Lions outright because I need the Lions to put Stafford on IR and lose the rest of their games to secure a top three pick. I don't. I'm abstaining because I morally can't pick this trash ass game. You stop. I will take the L. I can't do it. You don't get to abstain. Well, I am though. That's a secret. That will leave myself and Don is the only people intelligent enough apparently to see that. Washington is a dumpster fire, dude. And Jeff Driscoll just hung 27 points on the Cowboys' defense, which, while they haven't played well, is full of defense. Or, I'm sorry, is full of <laughs> players. Yeah, full of defense. Jesus All right, it wasn't full of defense against Jeff Driscoll. <laughs> they actually have a bunch of solid players on that side of the ball. And Jeff Driscoll, while certainly can't replace Matt Stafford, he can, he can do some things against Washington, man. This is the current worst organization in pro football all right and i don't think it's very close yeah you put this much airtime for these two trash ass teams move on I mean, to the actual it's, games it's the home team i mean but it's not though not Dylan for me would like to move on to actual games that's right great black quarterback uprising started mm-hmm. started with russ wilson this modern era of great black quarterbacks michael vick says wilson. what <laughs> what what part of Mike Vick is part of this era? I mean, he was starting when Russ came into the league, and that was his resurgence. If you call it that. I mean, it was in Philadelphia in 2011. With Andy Reid. Yeah. You are wrong, sir. I, I didn't Good say day! He wasn't <laughs> starting. I said he wasn't relevant. I mean, he was, though. He made an NFC Championship game. Not that year. Ah. Nah. All right, I gotta look this up now. You trash ass. I think that was the dream team here. How the yeah. hell is Seattle favored? Or They're Philadelphia? Not, uh, I don't know. That's a great question, but I have a feeling I know who you're gonna pick. Regardless of boomer, anyways, misrepresentative 
in the Black Quarterback Caucus. Russ Wilson is leading that bandwagon, and yet on the road against Philadelphia, an offense that looked completely hapless last week. Oh, God, yeah. <laughs> Philly opened as a three-point favorite. They're one-and-a-half-point favorite right now as it stands picking. Someone please tell me why, besides up-down theory and home field advantage. I don't know. I'm not going to try and explain it, though. So give me uh, give me Seattle, give me Russ Bus, Pete Carroll to, to win outright. That seems like easy money. Uh, yeah, I don't get it either. Philadelphia is not what they should be. Carson Wentz is starting to lose me a little bit. So I will pick Seattle and the best quarterback in the NFL, Matt. I mean, even William knows this game's a mismatch. I, I This is a clean sweep across the board Damn. from <laughs> Damn. Seattle. It, it's, I don't get the spread, and that's kind of what scares you. We're all confused and all picked Seattle. Uh, the only path that I see Philly winning this game is if they really get the run game going and then get play action going off of that. But I, I just haven't seen it from them. They haven't shown it all year at all. Seattle has. Seattle has a better quarterback. They have the better pretty much everything. Uh, even Pete Carroll shenanigans should not keep them from winning this game. And the fact that they're a dog is very surprising. Better receivers, especially. Across the board, we are all up on Seattle, especially the receivers. I mean, it's about to be Josh Gordon's coming out party again. I mean, I, I don't, I don't oh, like this God. at all. Not even a little. Don't you shut your mouth. You blasphemize Josh Gordon. I will drive to. Uh, man, the best, the best wide receiver since this Larry nice. Fitz. Better than Larry Fitz ever was. Oh, my God. <laughs> that is a stupid thing to say. It's so stupid. We're going to hit the late afternoon game. Uh. And maybe the most overrated team in football. We got the Dallas Cowboys traveling to New England, who has had their own offensive struggles as of late. But despite those, are six and a half point favorites over Dallas. And New England's not going to struggle at all in this game. Seattle or Seattle, Dallas didn't look particularly good against the against the Lions and the Patriots for their struggles they still did end up winning um, by a touchdown over one of the Cowboys divisional rivals I expect that to be the case especially at home give me New England uh I am going to take Dallas for the outright win the seat just screams New England regular season game where Dallas is going to go in they're gonna win maybe soundly everyone's gonna overreact and say oh my god the Dallas Cowboys are Super Bowl contenders and it won't mean shit it is incredible that dylan just verbatim described the baltimore new england game to a complete (laughs) oh you're so smart oh man well it's it's just Uh, it amazes me the parallel that everything that you described is what the baltimore game is this Mm -hmm. is a very different game and dylan is the only one that believes what he just said at least according the only one that's right bitch new england is hyper-focused on their offense right now, especially coming into this game this week. And they are running up to the perfect fraud, especially at home, to exercise all of those demons on. And New England is going to drop a 40-bomb on Dallas. And they're going to piss all over the I'll bet you right now. Dak is not going to get. Throw it down. Throw it down. 40 points. Throw it down. Ravage this team it is going to be a bloodbath and everyone is going to overreact as dylan said and be like wow the new england offense is back dallas is a mess they're a fraud this game is a travesty 
Yeah, you just skated speaking, past your 40-point nonsense. Speaking of frauds, mm-hmm. we got Ryan's favorite fraud in the building. And Ryan's favorite fraud keeps yeah. on winning the San Francisco 49ers, and they are at home this week to take on the Green Bay Packers, who have been quiet as Looking of worse and worse by the week. San Francisco is three-point favorites at home. We know the last time Green Bay went out west, it didn't go so well. Are they going to fare better this week? Absolutely, because the Niners are frauds, and Green Bay is also my NFC Super Bowl pick. So give me the Packers in this game in a statement game on Sunday Night Football. You may as well call me Judas Benedict Arnold because I have been a turncoat traitor of my previous opinions. San Francisco does not look good at all. And I also have Green Bay as the NFC representative. I will take Aaron Radges. Discount double check. I don't see it. I, I don't think Aaron Rodgers, and we talked about this a million times, Aaron Rodgers is not as good as people think that he is, and he is going to have struggles, as long as Richard Sherman does not commit pass interference every other play, which <laughs> remains to be seen. He is going to struggle, against, especially against the San Francisco front. Uh, Green Bay's offensive line hasn't been as good as you'd like them. If Green Bay was smart, they would actually use Aaron Jones a lot more, and... We wouldn't be having this conversation. They need use him a shit ton. What are you they need about? to use him more because they're going to try a special. 40 carries are nothing. Is going to try to keep this game. Are you trying to run Dylan's boy into the ground? <laughs> right. What do you, what do you want from me? <laughs> I, I, want, I want 30 touches a game. Keep the ball out of Aaron Rodgers' goddamn hand against this front. But they're not going to, and it's going to cost them. San Francisco makes a statement win, and I was with Ryan earlier in the season. I thought it was a little bit of flash in the pan. But I really respect what Kyle Shanahan's done there, and I love the way they're playing the game. I don't see Green Bay pulling this one out. Once again, we have a Monday night game, and after a stretch of not having any Monday night games, we have... I mean, we had them. They were just shit. (laughs) Well, that's why we weren't picking them. But this is our third one that we're picking in a row, because we actually have a solid game. And we have Ryan's Super Bowl team, the Baltimore Ravens. In the new torchbearer of the black quarterback caucus, Lamar Jackson, they're only three-point favorites on the road against the L.A. Rams. I love Lamar Jackson in this spot. There is no coincidence that Lamar starts with L.A., and that's where they're going to be. That's where Lamar is going to show all of the flash, all the video game highlights, and they're going to win this game by 14 points. My God, is this the spot where Paul is going to... uh begrudgingly or should at least pick Baltimore the Rams offense is so awful and if we're talking T.O.P. Jared Goff is gonna have too many opportunities to pass because they'll be playing from behind the whole time I will take the Ravens and the genius Harbaugh brother so Matt is the only one that is gonna Hitch his wagon to Jared Goff shocking he picks the LA I told you guys last week that the L.A. Rams are legitimately broken, specifically on offense. They're broken. And the Chicago Bears were a competent field goal kicker away from making that a real game and from covering. Baltimore is not the Chicago Bears. What? Baltimore (laughs) is going to go balls deep in whatever the hell you want to call Sean McVay's offense right now. And they are going to piss all over the Rams' grave of a (laughs) year that's drastic 
And that's the picks. Okay. That's the show, actually. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Wow. Beautiful. Will, so we don't forget. There's right. Go so ahead, don't man. forget to send us money for our Chicago trip. Everyone, <laughs> drop your Venmos. Just kidding. But follow us on Twitter at Sports Carnage, Facebook, Sports Carnage Podcast, uh, YouTube, where you can see all of our post game reactions to Pistons, Red Wings, not Red Wings. I always say Red Wings. I never do them. So I'm just lying to you. Pistons, Lions, Tigers, Spartans, not the Tigers either. Wolverines. Um, all, all the teams that we like in that matter. Sorry to my hockey and my baseball fans. But other than that, comment, rate, right. review, subscribe, or uh, share us. Sorry, except the Red Wings. If you play for the Red Wings, don't even listen to this podcast ever. We don't want to hear from you. Okay. We don't want oh, your opinions. All right. Shout out to Don Drysdale in the Discord chat. I would like it to be known that this sentiment is not held by all of Sports Carnage. Three of us do like hockey. <laughs>